This episode is brought to you by Farm Bureau Financial Services, Zach Miller Agency. If you're looking for an insurance agent with a personal touch, someone willing to have the real conversations about what's important to you, assistance with submitting claims and offering quality coverage options, Farm Bureau Financial Services, Zach Miller Agency may be the place for you. Whether you need home, auto, farm, commercial, life, or health insurance, we're here for you. Check us out at agentzachmiller.com. Farm Bureau Property and Casualty Insurance Company, Western Agriculture Insurance Company. My next guest is a pivotal and established member of the FieldWise team here in Norfolk. Jared, thanks for making time to be here today. Yeah, it's an honor, guys. Thanks for having me. Awesome. I'm Zach Miller with my co-host Vance Neidig. Nice to meet you. And we are touching base with Jared Kroontrad today. Um, let's start with some of your past before we get into the FieldWise stuff. So where, where did you grow up, Jared? I uh, grew up in Ewing, a small town west of Norfolk, about 50 minutes, so not too far away. Um, you know, I... Uh, being from a small town, you know, this ag community. Uh, my dad's worked in ag pretty much all of his life. And that's kind of how I went down the road of um, center pivot irrigation. Um, worked for, you know, him growing up when I was when I was younger to have some spending cash and worked on pivots and did all that fun stuff out in the corn bean fields here in the you know, O'Neill Ewing area. So, yeah, it's uh, you know, kind of kind of kind of went full circle as far as field wise and just kind of my my background growing up and working on pivots so it's it's pretty neat so growing up on a farm then is no farm no no no, my dad uh, yeah he so he's been like a service manager um different uh roles oh so kind of grew up around farming just yeah so um lindsey uh zomatic is the the pivot brand um so they had a a dealer in o'neill that he worked for um and you know before that he's actually there's a uh, a company in Ewing called Ewing Irrigation. So he's been putting the, the machines up, you know, the big sprinklers in the fields that you see when you drive down the road. So he's put them up, he's serviced them, he's done everything with them his whole life. Um, so yeah, working with him, um, my family doesn't have any farming background. My mom was a nurse, my sisters are all nurses. So um, it was just a, a good way to, to make some cash growing up and right. keep me out of trouble. <laughs> that's that's always good, right? Go play around in a hot cornfield in the middle of summer uh, when somebody needs a pivot right now. Yeah, you know that the the gearboxes and the motors and you know running through ten foot corn hundred <laughs> degrees out. It's not not the most fun thing to do in the world, but no. Um, but yeah, more, it was, more kids it was, really need to do that type I would of stuff. Agree. Probably you know, be better for them for sure. I mean, that was it. Did give me a good work ethic. Like, you know, understanding yeah. what it means to, to make some money and, and earn it and, you know, pay for my own car and pay for everything I need to do. So it was, uh, it was good to get that experience for sure. Um, so I'm assuming you went to Ewing high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Population 300. My <laughs> class grad, graduating class had 12 people. Yeah. That's it's huge. to be a trend for the yeah, <laughs> huge one. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead good town i mean yeah it's uh the small town type of atmosphere you know you know everyone um it was good it was, you know good education good school they actually uh consolidated with a, a couple of small towns in the the area clearwater and orchard and they they call it summerlin now okay so that's good to see that uh you know all the the small communities are coming together to 
to offer more to the kids and and stuff like that. But uh, that seems to be a pretty big trend in the smaller areas nowadays too. Yeah, you had to. I think it was the hardest part was just like your ego and like the camaraderie, like the you know battling the, the sports programs right, and yeah. having that type of thing going on. That was kind of the most difficult part. A lot of these kids didn't want to necessarily join forces, um, but I think it was for the better. Did you play any sports? Played basketball, played football, uh, did track because pretty much football coach made you at that point yeah. in your life. But. Maybe the same way. <laughs> yeah, I, we had I, a, I chose golf. <laughs> I wish I would have. <laughs> and man. I wasn't good at it. Yeah. All my I friends, just wasn't going to do track. <laughs> yeah, all my friends played golf. I wish I would have, but we had a pretty good golf program there as well. But yeah, we had really good athletics um, and basketball teams and football teams growing up, so it was fun. Let's say going back to like the community of Ewing, I haven't, I have yet to meet anybody from Ewing that doesn't have good work ethic and isn't a good person. Yeah, that I've met anyway. Yeah. I'm sure there are some out there, but there's a couple. I won't say any names. Yeah, you don't have to say any names. Um, <laughs> and just for the listeners, that's where Anita Larson, <clears throat> our other co-host, sometimes grew up there too. Um, that's kind of how we met Jared here. Yeah. Um, so how how going back to the high school? How was that experience for you? Was it a good experience? Unless it sounds like it. It's kind of a, my parents could attest to this, but I was kind of a wild child. Uh, so I have three sisters, two older, one younger. And I hung out with some, some older people and probably did a lot of stuff that I shouldn't have been doing. At the, <laughs> and at we that all age, did that. You know, started young. <laughs> which was probably good for me later on down the road when I went to college because it wasn't so crazy. And I didn't, you know, I went to class basically. So yeah. I could I could adjust to it easy. But yeah, it, uh, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot to do. So, you know, having that that small town, you know, you hang out and kind of get a little wild on the weekends and have fun. But as far as the school, you know, I don't, I, everyone can probably say this. You didn't really try as hard as you probably should have right. yeah. back at the time in, in life and should have focused a little more on the academics and just trying at different things, even sports. Like you, I was more kind of worried about or, you know, what we're doing on the weekends and having fun. But, right. yeah, it all That's worked okay. out. That's okay. It worked out. Um, so going from high school, where did you did you go to college? Went to Wayne State. Wayne yep. State. You know that was that was around the time in life where you know, I'm 37, so I'm not incredibly old or anything. But everyone was it was kind of that uh, you know you graduate high school if you want to have any chance in life. You know that message I was like pounding into your head was you have to you have to go to college. That's just the next step. Like, it, was it didn't huge, matter. It was a huge thing around that time. Like yeah. there was a lot of companies out there that said we won't even give you an interview without a bachelor's degree or a minimum. An associate's degree. Well, yeah. and you'd be looked down upon just by other, you know, par- parents in the community and things like that. Oh, you're not going to college. Right. Like, exactly. Yeah. What do you mean you're not going to college? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I figured, you know, and you didn't really have, like, they didn't say, like, you should have a path. Like, you should have, like, this idea of what you want to do when you when you graduate. And with me, it was just like, okay, I have to go to college. What am I going to do? So I looked at different options. and like, okay, well, business, that's something you can kind of branch out and, and do different yeah. things with. So I ended up uh, going into business management. And, uh, which was great. You know, Wayne State's really been growing. They have a good business uh, program there and they're doing some good things. Small enough classes where you have, you know, have some one-on-one with the teachers and stuff and the professors and, um, what was up, class size for you there? You know, I'm probably about 25, 30. That's average. Average. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty. I went to UNK and some of the classes were like 120, 130. I, I just, I didn't like it. <laughs> um, so was Wayne State like your first choice or did you have some other choices you were kind of looking at? Yeah, um, so I was actually looking at playing basketball at first. Um, okay. Wesleyan and a few different places, a bunch of scholarships. And it's funny because my sister played basketball, and 
she basically told me you can go to college and you can because i mean i had decent grades i i could you know if i studied i could do it right get decent grades and i didn't get any like good academic scholarships so um so basically it's like well, either i go to college and pay for it with playing basketball or and then i had a conversation with my sister she's like you have to understand like when you go to college and you play basketball it's not just you know the season it's preseason, season postseason it's basically holidays. a full-time job it's a job he's like so she's like either you're gonna go play basketball and pay for school or you're just gonna get a job and enjoy it and have fun while you're there and i was like you know what i'm just gonna have fun so uh i ended up working at the, the max and i'm sure you guys have been there yep. um in the kitchen all four years and um, use that to kind of pay for the books and all the different stuff you have to survive you know just food yeah, right <laughs> pay for the ramen noodles yeah <laughs> tostino's pizzas exactly so yeah, that's what i did end up getting a minor in computer information management while i was there too so it's funny you know the just my whole life you know i started working on pivots when i was 14 or something and didn't really think I would ever, well, that's kind of one of the reasons I knew I had to go to college. I'm like, I don't want to do this shit for the rest of my life. <laughs> and ended up going to college and getting a business degree. And then shit, ultimately ended up starting a business and kind of the stuff that, that I was doing way back in the day. So right. it, was, it all kind of came together. Came, yeah. came back. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what helped you kind of, I mean, you kind of went through the narrow down process of college. Was the basketball choice like a burnout thing? Kind of. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how I was too. Yeah. Um, we were very successful. I mean, we probably lost like 15 games all four years. I mean, we were like in our NVC conference here, you know, we were just dominating, got to Lincoln every year and just could never, you know, get to the, the big show, right. you know, and, um, you know, I don't want to go down memory lane and, and no, we don't do this or that, yet. but it's just, yeah, I think you, you do it enough. You do the traveling leagues, you do all that stuff. And it's like, yeah, then it's like, yeah, I think I'm, I'm just done with it. I'd rather enjoy it. I love basketball. It's like, to me, I, just going and shooting hoops is like just a way to clear my head. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it's, uh, I wanted to, to make sure that it was still something I enjoyed in life. And, you know, I have some friends that play and my sister played. She's like, you know, just, it's, you have to really want to do it. And, you know, I don't foresee myself going pro. So I was like, you know, <laughs> I can, I can find other means of paying for school. Right. Um, so Fieldwise was founded in 2008, and it's a family business? Yep, family. Um, so the four original founders, myself, um, my dad, Ken Kruntrod, Brian Kowinski, my brother-in-law, and my sister, Alicia Kowinski. So you've been in there. I was trying to think of how that would have been like when you kind of graduated, right? So you would have already, so you didn't have a job after high school. You went right into doing this? Uh, or so, after college, I mean. Oh, right, yep. So I went and did a an internship for Northwestern Mutual. How was that? College. It was all right. Um, you know, and it's, well, this is kind of what you got to do. It's part of the process. And there's one thing that, was like, you know, I'm kind of a people person. I can talk and, you know, financial stuff. I don't know if I'm really interested in that, but I can figure it out. Um, and then right around that time, um, my, my brother-in-law, brother-in-law, Brian, uh, went to, well, he married my sister, for that and then i uh, went to work with my dad he's from texas so when he came up on on an airplane when he's driving up here on 81 like he's like you know i didn't know what pivot was yeah, center <laughs> irrigation is <laughs> you know? not something he knows yeah so he's like what are those circles out there when i'm seeing from the plane like what, what is all this stuff so he went to to work with my dad one time and that was right around the time that uh, like analog technology was coming out like the bag phones were still a thing i mean yeah <clears throat> um so the the infrastructure for cell uh, communications in rural areas was just really bad and uh so 
one of the the pivot OEMs at the time had a a monitor solution that they're coming out with. It was analog based, just monitor. Uh, I think start. I think they actually had start and stop on it too. But it was just a main panel mounted device that you could just start and stop and know if your pivot was running. And so Brian saw that, and you know he's got a he's kind of a tech guru, a real smart guy. Like you, if he wants to figure something out, he'll just read on it and he'll do it. I mean, he's just super intelligent and. You know, so he, his, my dad's like, or Brian's like, hey, you think this will be big someday? You think there would be some potential here? And my dad's like, well, yeah, I mean, it'd be kind of, uh, be nice to, to know if your stuff's running and not have to drive around, yeah. um, you know, check all your pivots all the time and just the time savings, the money, all that stuff, peace of mind. And so Brian's gears kind of started turning, I could, I could tell. And next thing you know, he's whipping up a prototype and, you know, he's <laughs> bringing it up from Texas and. We're actually using it to like you know, we have a kind of other little side um, gig with our company called Fleetwise, where you can actually monitor um, you know your vehicles and stuff like that as well. So we're using it for that when they're coming up from Texas to see where they're at and how fast they're going and stuff. And um, next thing you know, it we're well. So going back to when I graduated, so I had to make a decision. Basically, I'm working on the company names. We're just messing around with the idea of like starting a company at that point because right. there's a big grower that my dad knew over by O'Neill that. Had like a hundred pivots and um he's like hey if you guys can come out with something that had positioning on it that, that i could see where the system's yeah. at in the field he's like i'll buy a hundred of them and my dad's like okay <laughs> we'll figure it out <laughs> and so he went back to brian he's like hey can you add gps to this and all this stuff and next thing you know he just he added it and um and then so i got a call one day it's kind of right around the time i was doing that internship and i was figuring out what I want to do with my life. And they're like, Hey, you want to jump in on the ground floor in this? I'm like, Hey, why not? You know, right. There's it fails. It fails, but yeah, there's an insurance guy under every rock. So you know what? Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're not wrong. <laughs> no offense to insurance. No, you're good. You're not wrong. That's competitive. It's yeah. It's a competitive <laughs> environment. So that was kind of like GPS wasn't a huge thing at that time, right? No, not at all. Not, super, not in the consumer area anyway. Yeah, it's pretty brand new. I mean, even with like the machinery side of things, I don't think people were doing the auto steer and stuff at that time. It was all markers and the foam and all that stuff when they're out in the field. So, hmm. yeah, it was fairly new to the to the ag sector. And um, just, just telemetry in, in itself was, was, you know, right at the beginning stages. So it was, it was pretty cool to get in it at that time yeah. um, you know, where you could. So, and did, did you do the uh, the software side of it at the same time? You kind of when you worked through that on the hardware, and then the software also was it all a one one sh one a one bundle thing? Yeah, that's the advantage with Brian. So he's <clears throat> you know he was you know he had companies. I mean he, he was building computers and he was like fourteen, like you know creating mapping softwares and stuff when he was sixteen. I mean it's, the dude's just when it comes to computers, he can pretty much do do it all. So he was doing the the software, the back end, the front end, yeah. um, you know, the hardware design, stuff like that. And it's not it's not like something that he went to school for, you know, it's just something he figured out Learned, on yeah. the fly, which is pretty, own, pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah. That is crazy. I mean, so you guys didn't, like a lot of companies that, were, <clears throat> that w would try to do something like this would have had to probably third party some of the software, some of the hardware, and you guys were able to just do it all in-house. Yeah. So that made, I mean, that probably helped profitability. <laughs> Oh yeah. When you have four people like, and, uh, you know, those early years, it was, a, it was, it was a, a struggle, you know, I mean, when, when you're, when you're a startup in a two car garage and 
you know, there's basically well, myself and then my mom and dad, and my, my my sister and my my brother-in-law. I mean, there's three families that are, well, myself and then two families. But you know, everyone's relying on this type of in, an income. Right. You know, it's a it's a stressful situation where, you know, we're the the manufacturer. I'm the, like myself, just focus on myself. It's like I have to manufacture this stuff. I have to assemble it. I have to test it. I have to program it. Um, I have to go out and sell it. Um, then I, then I have to go install it. Then I have to serve. I'm like you, you, you wear multiple hats at the right. early stages and, and, you know, starting a business. So it's extremely stressful, you know, especially once you start hiring people as, as the years go by, I mean, like then you're, you're worrying about all your employees and making sure like there's been consecutive years early on in, in the early days where, you know, there's a couple of sales that came in towards the end of the year where, you know, what we needed to make payroll and what we needed to do the next production run, what we needed to stay yeah. in business, you know, so it was, it was extremely stressful and, um, you know, working a ton of hours, basically I've given up my, my summer. I've just accepted the fact that I'll never have a summer uh, for the last 15 years. And that's just what it is. You know, you work the 70, 80 hour weeks yep. in the summer and it's just ag. And I think a lot of people listening right now can relate to that. Like if you're, you know, if you're in center pivot irrigation, you're, if you're, if you're farming, if you're doing, if you're a dairy farmer, like if you're anything ag, like it just requires a lot of your time during the summer mm -hmm. and you just accept it. I think it's a lot of, <clears throat> a lot on the entrepreneur side too. A lot of people just, they see the end result and they don't, and we talk about it a lot on basically every podcast we've had with somebody and on the, yep. on the entrepreneur mm -hmm. side of it is like, they don't realize how much time has been put in on the front end. It was miserable time. You, I mean, you're cutting corners. You're you're making. A lot of people don't want to to make life make tough choices to have delayed satisfaction. Um, they just want the Im immediate satisfaction right now. Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of friends that. I mean, I, I had a. I wanted this to turn out the way it did. I wanted it to be successful. I wanted it to be in the situation that I'm in right now. And you know, if you would ask me this ten years ago. Like, would you be where you're at now? It's like, probably, I never would have thought in my mind that we'd be here in North Fork and doing the things that we're doing, but especially on an international level. But I, I had, I knew that the, the technology, the team that we had, you know, having someone like Brian and you know, just our, our experience in this, you know, with pivots and my dad's experience with, you know, 20, 30 years and, and doing this stuff. Like I knew we had the, the ingredients to make something, you know, awesome. It sounds like it. And so I would, you know, in, in college, you know, I'd have buddies like, hey, Mike, like, jump on. I need help. I need, you know, let's, let's do sales. Let's do this. Let's service technicians and stuff. They would jump on. And then, like you said, like, within a month, they're like, I'm not getting rich. I'm done. Like, it's <laughs> like, you're not going to get rich yeah. right away. Like, you have to work your way up the ladder, man. I think that's, like, just the mentality today with kids coming out of college. It's like, I want to get paid this amount. I want to have a company vehicle. I want my weekends off. I want 40 hours. Like, you're not Me in too. a city. You're not I in want a, it now. You're, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, I've, I've had to tell people straight, I'm like, you're not in, in a position to say you want something. Like, you, right. you have to earn something. Yep. And that's just sad that, you know, kids have that mentality. And then, you know, the whole college thing, like, they go in there and, like, you can't get a $10,000 loan coming out of high school to start a business, but they'll give you a hundred thousand dollar loan to go to college without a guarantee. It makes no yeah. sense. Which, yeah. It, <laughs> it makes, makes, no sense. makes no sense. Like, cause I think about it, <clears throat> the amount of things that like, I mean, we do some entrepreneur stuff, like it's mostly service stuff between my brothers and stuff and parents and everything. But it's, you know, if we would have just, you, you take the loan for the little bit better equipment off the top, but you can do it the other way. You can, I mean, we started a spraying business with some old, old crude, cobbled together, um, old farm sprayer. 
that we turned into a 12 volt deal or my brother figured it out, figured out how to do it. And yeah, it looked pretty rough for two, three years. Now you just keep moving that. And we've got two pretty sweet ATV sprayers. We do a pasture spraying business and it's, you just keep working up like, but you could, you know, coming out of high school back then, $10,000 gets you quite a bit of stuff and you're that far ahead as opposed to going and, you know, doing, like you said, you know, your fifty hundred thousand dollars student loan plus all the amount of money you spend on everything else at the time. And some of those that go for the degrees are going for degrees that they're not going to, like, it's not even never, forecasted to make that kind of money coming out. Never pay off. You know, and it's like, I don't know. You're guaranteed one thing when you go to college, you will be in debt. Exactly. That's pretty much it. Unless exactly. you get some, I mean, unless you're going to go be a doctor and you're going to do, you know, those type of trades. Where but it's even like you, there, and they're probably... They start out probably more in debt than most do sure. when they first come out. Obviously, they're going to be able to pay it back faster, but yeah. having to get the, you know, they have to buy a place to practice. They have to. It's just crazy that, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's almost like you're you're setting people up for failure. Right. Like, I don't know what the percentage would be, but it's just like, you know, I don't have kids. I'm single. I don't have to worry about it. But like, if I did, that's definitely a conversation I'd be having with my kid. Like, if you're going to go to college, yeah. like, it's not going to be a four year just vacation. Like, if you want to. You know, go learn about like and be uh, well-rounded and you know have like social skills. Go to Europe for like six months or something. It's gonna be a hell of a lot less expensive than going to a oh, four-year yeah, program just to mess, sure. you know screw around for four years. So, I think there's a real there's a there's a definite need for the STEM field probably like your your science, your mathematics, yeah. your engineering, and your doctorates and stuff like that or medical doctorates. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some doctorates are worthless, but. Um, I think there's a real need for some of that stuff and the rest of it, we can pretty much get away with, get away from and go to a trade school yeah. model. Yeah. Huge demand. A lot of money in it too. Like yeah. Palmer, like all that stuff. It's, I mean, it's just we don't a have six, six digit job. Yeah. They're all, they're all aging and like, I don't see too many younger plumbers, HVAC, any of that. It's like the, the, the money can be made. You can basically start your business, your own business and just. You know, as far as pricing, you can just pick whatever you want. Yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. a situation where there's not a lot of competition. Yeah, there's not. You learn so, it, get yourself a van and some tools, yeah. and that's all you need. Yep. Buy it as you go. I mean, a lot of, I mean, there is contractors. There's contractors out there that are building that way. Like, yeah, they'll buy, it's, you know, pay up front type of thing. Like, I need these supplies. I'm going to go buy these supplies. So I need, let's go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's possible to do stuff like that. You don't need to have an inventory in that field right away. No, that's how, that's how a lot of the, the single guys do it. Like the, <clears throat> yeah. The, you know, the local general contractors, they have you pay up front for all your materials and they don't have to foot the bill and yeah. it works out. Going back to what you were saying though, we talk a lot about how people think things just happen. Like when, when events are put together or, um, you know, just even the stuff you guys do with pivots, people just think, oh, it's just out there. It just happens. <laughs> Nobody worked to have it put there, <laughs> you know, type of thing. I did spend just... one bu- summer building pivots. For yeah. a while. That was a, my summertime job. It was a job. <laughs> I'm sure. Of, it was okay, but. A lot of repetition. Um, yeah. You know, and that's, that's. Uh, I think early on people thought, you know, these guys are just buying some, you know, third party product and reselling it. Right. That's what know, I was taking yeah. the Taking shortcuts and stuff and. Because that's how a lot of companies would do that, right? You could, you know, yeah. and that's, you can, and, you know, but if, if you want to maximize your margins, you want to be able to, you know, one thing we've really, uh, you know, strived on or uh, 
take pride in is our, our pricing. Um, right. And, you know, we have affordable pricing. We're not trying to get rich off people. We, we just want to, we wanted to develop, like the idea early on was developing a cost-effective way of monitoring your your systems out there. And not just pivots, but your pumps, your, your moisture probes, your weather stations, uh, electric fencers for the livestock guy, I mean, you know, coming up with all these di- ideas and we we're just listening to our customers. Like, but we want, that's how we've grown. That's how we've grown our products. Just listen to what people want. And you have to, that's how most businesses grow. Just that organic growth and word of mouth and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, we wanted a, a reliable cost effective product that had good service behind it. And if you have those things, you know, you will, you will be successful. Um, but if you're trying to buy a third party company, you know, third party, off the shelf type of device and marking it up, you know, to try to get rich right away. I mean, yeah, it's just like, I don't think that's a recipe for like long-term success. No. And plus you can't back the product then yeah. you guys as a company, you know, at least this way you guys are making it, you're putting it out there. You can back your product with your full, full force. Yeah, exactly. Off the shelf, you're limited on your specs too, on a lot of things. We find that <clears throat> we have a livestock equipment business and we find the same thing when you want to, I mean, finding the right springs or the right, hydraulic cylinders or something if you're not building it to your own specs and you're just going off the shelf you kind of have to tailor what you want to do based off of just a generic spec oh yeah i mean then quality control is big like if yep. you're buying a, a some you know device from china and you have an issue with you know quality or whatever like what are you gonna do go to the factory and try to whip them up yeah. whip them into shape or something <laughs> yeah. it's like no you're pretty much you get you get what you get and like they're not going to give you a lot of lot of uh, support you know so you know, if you're designing your own products, if you have your own back end, your own front end, like you know the ins and the outs, you know, like you can make changes to it. The, you know, working with your CMs, like you go tour the, the facilities, get to know the people you're working with, develop relationships along the way, and that that's uh, that's a lot better route to take. That's how it should be done. That's how you get things done in the right way, I think. Anyway, um, can you give us just a quick breakdown? Like, do you guys mainly work in the pivot space, or you kind of talked a little bit there? You guys have expanded a little bit. Yep. So started just primarily like specializing on pivots. Okay. Um, and then, you know, like I said, like people would come to us, Hey, I have this pivot with this, this well, you know, this, uh, this pump over here that doesn't have an underground, like it, they can't talk to each other, you know, pivot shuts off waters in one spot all night. You know, can do you have a device you can put on that and just start and stop my well? So like, yeah. Okay. Well, let's whip up something. Um, one thing that we focused on, which made us, uh, you know, like, you know, our design, is very versatile it's it's modular so it allows like right now we have what we call our nano platform so it's uh the core brain of the the device is able to be uh, a pivot monitor it's able to be a pump monitor a moisture appropriator weather station fence monitor um you know so one one skew one 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 hardware platform can do a variety of things. So like from, from a dealer's perspective, like they can have one device sitting on their shelf and a guy can come in and want to do all these different things and he can just pull one device off it, off the shelf, hit it with the right firmware for whatever application he's wanting to use it for and boom, you know, you've got a solution. So it's a lot less costly to, to have something that's versatile and, and um, you know, modular like that versus like having a device for all these different things that you want to do. Would some companies take that in a different way? And, and yes, it could be the same device, but sell it as separate. Would some companies do something like that just to make more money maybe? Yeah. You know, yeah, I could see that happening. Um, you know, it's one thing we always try to focus on with our dealer network is transparency because mm-hmm. like, 
like I said, like we, we don't want people, um, paying, you know, two, three X of, you know, what, what it's actually supposed to right. cost. And, you know, so, which I like that, you know, we have, we have transparency, our dealers, um, you know, you have your MSRP, they're going to try to, you know, we, we say, Hey, like, you know, this is what you said, this is the, the MSRP. And if, if you go beyond that, and obviously we're going to have a conversation, but it's not, it's not a good look for you because that, that customer can call us directly and ask what it costs <laughs> and, and, right. and say, Hey, what does this device cost? Oh, it costs $700. <laughs> oh, these guys, these guys charging 2,800. Oh, well, that's, that's a problem. I'm going to have right. a chat with that guy, you know? So, um, you know, so yeah, it's, it's, it's good to be transparent with, with everyone. And I think if you don't have transparency in business, you're really not doing it right. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. So you're does right. the, <clears throat> when you say your, your main platform is the nano platform or whatever, and it can be any of those deals, can it do mul- can one platform do multiple uh, probes? Because so could it? Could you have it w- in one field? Let's say you want a weather station, your well um, reader, your pivot reader, and your soil sampler in one one quarter or whatever. Can that all run off of one platform, or is that multiple different platforms? So the hardware set is going to be the same, um, but each device is going to have its own. Um, like, like uh, they don't speak to each other. Right. They speak to the software Each has itself. its own modem, you know, its own way of getting that information out, which has, you know, data charges behind it and stuff like gotcha. that. But, you know, there there are ways of, like, you know, using, a, like, LoRa technology, which is uh, a wireless uh, LoRa module that uses a 900 frequency to, to talk to other devices in the field. And early on um, when we started, you know, cellular wasn't an option in a lot of these country, you know, these rural areas. Yeah. Right. There's still some places. It's still not. There's still, right? You <laughs> yeah. know, so it's I like... I mean, it's only 2024. Yeah. <laughs> Saying like, what what are we gonna do to make this? You know, if it's not reliable, and these guys are driving out there, and you know, anyway, it's like it's pointless putting stuff out there. So what we had to do was create our own radio network. We probably have, I don't know, six hundred repeaters. Which a repeater is just uh, a device we put up on a grain leg or elevator or on top of a grain bin or on a hill anywhere yeah. that's high and that has a good vantage point. We'll put a, put a repeater, and then we have uh, base stations that are you know scattered about where they're connected to an Ethernet or internet gateway. Um, or cellular, um, you know, that, so we basically created network or signal where there wasn't signal before. And that was, that allowed us to like grow really on like, right. if we didn't have cell and like that just really, um, sped up the process as far as getting devices out there and, and, you know, so super fast and reliable and it was awesome. And, you know, so we've got like a, the whole, the whole state of Nebraska blanketed, um, all Western Kansas, uh, Eastern Colorado, Idaho, uh, like northern Texas, you know, we've got all these these uh, local, you know, radio networks that we've we put up and, you know, we'll work with growers and say, hey, you let us put a repeater on your leg, we'll give you a free unit, you know, that type of stuff. You throw me a bone, I'll throw you a bone. Um, it's a good idea. But when it comes to like multiple devices in one field, you know, the more you're doing, you know, unfortunately, like at this point with our particular um, business model, you know, there's a, a subscription um, for each device. You know, there there is... You know, we're open for the conversation as far as like a bundle, you know, type of thing. If you have multiple devices and stuff, but we we've we've got the best price. Like we've yeah. got the lowest price. If you if we if you look around and try to do all the stuff like you're saying, and and you know, it's I feel like we're in the position now where like if someone's using our products and on multiple things in that field, they're they're still going to get that best price regardless of you know how that information is getting out. Yeah, no, I understand that. I just didn't know if that's maybe in your thoughts of as the way the technology is moving, if it's something where those <clears throat> eventually down the road, maybe those devices start c- talking to each other and go to one modem to go out beyond that. Like 
like your weather you may say your weather station is your main one your pivot talks to your well which talks yeah. to the field or the pro soil probe which talks to the weather station the the only issue with it is just the obstructions that end up happening like you yeah. know the, the corn gets up yeah, there, gets the, up there you yeah. know, like you have a, a, a sensor on the field in the middle of the field and it's trying to like you know you say you're using a radio signal to get out to a uh, you know, wherever the gateway is, uh, yeah. maybe probably in the pivot or it's out in the corner of the field. Like you just, you start running into these things that you didn't anticipate happening, you know, when you first put it out there. Right. Yeah. And, and then it's well, like, Well, cause oh. there's nothing there when you put it out <laughs> <Right>. there. <laughs> so there, I mean, it's not, it, I, I, yeah, a hundred percent agree with you. I think that, you know, that's obviously a, a, a good, um, good thing to do for people to just yeah. allow them to you know, have some savings and cut some, some costs down. But, um, you know, the more you, you try to do that in some areas, it almost just leads to more issues and like cellular is just becoming so reliable with LTE and all the different modem, all the different modules that are coming about now. I mean, it's, it's, you know, there, there are areas that don't have it, but you know, overall, I think, uh, you know, the reliability factor is 10 times better than what Gap's used to be. definitely closing. Yeah. 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 Especially the local, like the more local networks, um, like us cellular around here. Yeah. Um, Trying to think of some other ones. They always say T-Mobile's across country, but you can't. It's, it's, it's yeah. definitely not in the state of Nebraska. <laughs> I, I remember AT&T's what was it, not. What was a Sprint way back in the day? Those commercials. Like, can you hear me now? And you're yeah. just walking around out, like all these places. Like, Couldn't I'm like, Western come Nebraska. out here. Yeah, I was just like, you come can't. Here. You can't hear me you out get, here. You get past Norfolk. This guy's not in Nebraska. Omaha. You get past Omaha, <laughs> and you can't hear Sprint. I, uh, that was I remember that back in the day. I had I had ants and people that had Sprint in like Minnesota, Minneapolis and stuff like that. And yeah, if they came. Came to Norfolk, Nebraska. No you ain't service. getting sprint. No, <laughs> not having in here. No. Yeah. Um, going back to kind of how the, the frequencies talk. I worked in the cell space for about a year, and we'd always get phone calls in the summertime, like right when spring, summer hit. Like, well, we're not getting service anymore. I'm like, well, is there leaves on the trees now? Yeah, vegetation. <laughs> that's probably that's probably why. Um, so always, it's kind of just always know. blaming on solar solar rays. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chemtrails, solar rays. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's funny. Um. So I know that like you okay with talking about COVID a little bit? Yeah. Did that affect you guys much? It was diff- very difficult. Um, not so much just you know the six feet distance yeah, yeah, and all yeah. the crap they tried to make you do, but when it came to uh, sourcing parts from vendors and suppliers, like you, you supply when, chain basically well, shut, shut down there. Supply for a chain, while. man. Like you, there's some components, electrical components um, that had a normal conditions had a three week lead time that were like a year beyond like they just they just started saying like well you'll get them when you get them like when you're when you're relying on parts to make a product and they're basically and your lead times are doubling tripling you know like question marks it's like and then the price you know things were just astronomical and then you had these brokers out there that were just stockpiling parts that people needed and they're just you know and screwing gouging everyone them, yeah. gouging them yeah you know it was that aspect of it was extremely um it's a stressful time. Um, we were just buying stuff uh, left and right and doing what we could to survive and making design changes to get, a, you know, have workarounds as far as things that weren't available. And so, I mean, that's that's really the only thing I can relate to with COVID. I mean, as far as the, as COVID, as far as COVID itself, I, I, I believe in a, a strong immune system. I believe in natural ways of, of uh, I never took, I mean, let's fight outside. I never took the vaccination. We I say didn't it take, all the time. Didn't we're, take we're the right boosters. There with you. I didn't do yeah. any of the shit. You know, yep. did I get it? I lost my taste and smell. I guess I got it. I don't know. It yeah. was, yeah. 
it is what it is. Did, did it affect your guys's? I mean, obviously it affected that part of it. Did it affect your guys's saleability? Did you, were you, did you guys come down in any way? No, I mean, overall, like we've grown year to year, um, even through COVID, like even 2012 during the big drought, like we've had some, some rough times with commodity prices. Like we've always kind of, I don't want to say been recession proof, but you know, we've got a product that has a good ROI. You better knock on some wood for that one. Right? I know. It's an election year, too, yeah, so watch yeah, out. Yeah, I know. Um, but, no, it's Shit like. could get crazy. It's yeah. one of the, Brian always jokes around. He's like, you know, I can, I feel good. I can go to sleep at night because, you know, we I, we sell a good product. Right. And, and it does give people a return on their investment. So when you have something like that at a good price, you know, you, you kind of are recession-proof because it's something that people are starting to realize, like, hey, we, we need this stuff. I can save money. If I'm yeah. if I'm realizing where I could be saving money in a different way, yeah, maybe it's better to spend it here because it may save me five times that somewhere down the line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Did going through that make you guys maybe stockpile more oh, yeah. stuff? Or, okay. Well, then, we you know, we have these CMs, like, up in, like, Buffalo, New York, and different parts of the country that, you know, put all these boards together for us and ship them back. You know, so we source the parts. They put them together because they have the big, you know, Right. Or four hundred, five hundred thousand dollar machines that do it, you know, automated, and you know, like we were literally like ordering the components and driving them up ourselves there. up there because we didn't want to take the chance of like shipping somebody, them. I don't or, blame you. Somebody you know, steal numbers. And you know, a lot of times the CMs will like source those parts for you, but they're coming back and saying, "Hey, we can't find this one. We can't find this one." And we're like, "Well, shit." We started looking for it. We found it. Well, we order it. Like, why can't you guys find it? Like, it's your job to find it. So we yeah. can't even rely on the CMs to, to find the stuff. And it was just crazy. It was wow. wild, wild west. At least you guys found it. It seems like any problem you guys have faced, you've come up with solutions in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. That's, I, mean, I, I think that's great. It's not like you don't just sit back and, and well, wait for lament. things to get better. Yeah. <laughs> I think just that's just the the mindset you have to have when you're in tech, like when you're when you're you know in the, in the technological um, sector, because you know just just you know if normal nor under normal circumstances, technology is advancing at such a fast rate that like if you're not constantly looking for the best, you know whatever component that's replacing this part and that part down. I mean like there's just it's just advancing so fast. So if you're not keeping up with it, you're going to get left behind, and someone's going to come out with something better, and you're done. You know, yeah. right. <clears throat> and everything as as technology goes it's one of the few things that ever it gets cheaper everything gets cheaper mm-hmm. it gets newer and yeah. it's maybe a little more like the new one may be a little more expensive but for a shorter period of time and then that's going down oh, yeah. like everything it just keeps like look at tvs as an example i remember yeah. we brought i mean i remember our first like 55 inch the big ass you know the whole box I was like 800 bucks or something like that. Now you can buy a 65 inch TV for 300 bucks. Yeah. 10 times better than what it was. And wider. <laughs> and yeah. 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 And the, yeah, the wider one just. <laughs> <A lot> less. <laughs> I remember like my grandma bought one of those. At the time, it was like, wow, this is the biggest TV I've ever seen. It was like 600,000 pounds. Like, <laughs> right. Like it took all like the entire family and all the cousins to like get it into the living room. And like, and then when it died, the day it died, like, we're not, how am I get this thing out of here? Like, this was a great shelf. <laughs> yeah. It never, it's still there to this day. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's funny. Yeah. And that's funny. Cause you said that cause Anita has one. She just got a new one for her birthday and new she TV. has an old box TV oh, that yeah. we're going to, yeah, I'm sure we're going to get voluntold to go move that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I helped her move it in there and I about broke my back trying to do that. That's, that was six, seven years ago. <laughs> So I know like in the last few years, um, I have seen obviously an increase in replacement costs for pivots from my clients. With the rise of inflation, can you kind of discuss the challenges that you guys have kind of faced? I know you kind of already talked about that, but can you talk maybe to what the farmers 
have kind of faced having to make decisions buying your guys' product or any other product because of the cost of some of the stuff that nowadays? I mean, the one the the common theme I see with um, you know with farmers is you know when when commodities go up, everything else goes up, and then when it goes down, everything else stays where it's at. Like yep. there's just like never. That's kind of the ag industry. Yeah, the, the just, producers of ag don't get the breaks that the. I call it the support staff of ag or the support industries of ag, I guess. You know, the secondary ag industries, the the um, machinery manufacturers, the pivot manufacturers. The uh, We talk about it a lot. I'm on the beef side of it. So, like, your packing plants, they stay up. Everything else goes down. Um, and that's kind of a big thing that I've noticed. And it's always been that way in agriculture. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's uh, it's unfortunate. I mean, the inputs are incredibly high. You know, three dollar corn. You have a lot of these inputs. It just doesn't pencil out a lot of times. And you have these, you know, pivots. And then it came down a little bit as of late. But you know, they were pushing over a hundred thousand dollars for not. You know, it doesn't matter what brand you're going with. And it's just like you know, two years ago it was forty thousand dollars. Yeah, that's like used Jesus. ones were insane. Yeah, we increased oh, yeah. it. They were pulling them out of corners of fields. Right. Yeah. People were, you know, the ones that oh, yeah. they, they were done, can't use them anymore. Then we're coming out of the corner and they're going up because that's all we can get. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've gone from 50,000. I think now we just redid most of our clients at like 120. Yeah. And so three years ago, we were $70,000 difference. Yep. In three years. Crazy. Just so. to make sure they're covered correctly. That, that's just nuts to me. Yeah. That's just nuts to me. You know, and it's. So, you know, with that, that being said, I, I look at a $700 widget that you can put out on the end of your machine that to monitor it and shut it off and shut it off when it's raining and change direction and monitor your pressure and like all that stuff. I think everyone else has seen it too. It's like, it, it, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, like on the, on the grand scale of things, it's, it's a very small investment for oh, them for sure. and they're getting something out of it. So right. out of all the things they're investing money into all the chemical and the seed and all everything, here's this little $700 device that like is helping me. And they look, and I think that gives them some sort of like uh, reassurance, like, hey, like, you know, this is worth it. Yeah. You know? Right. That's great to hear. Um, that's, I, yeah, I like that. You can just, a minimal purchase for something that can pretty much monitor your whole yeah. operation. Yeah. So we, I mean, we've got different, ver I mean, we've got more premium, like uh, we have what we call our, our Z5. Uh, so go a little background on the Z part of that. It means Zempat is where that come, comes from. My sister, Hannah, um, She's 11 years younger than me, so she was really young when we were, I mean, she was super young when we were starting the company, um, and she she came up with the idea for Zimpat, which means God of Earth and Cattle. So, okay. just a little background on what Zimpat, but yeah. anyway, it, it's a, we call it, and it's kind of our ga a game changer as far as how we were able to grow the company, because at the time, this was probably about five years ago, six years ago, all the, the Pivot OEMs were coming out with computer panels, and, you know, all the telemetry was baked into it, and, and... You know, so we're like, hey, what are we going to do to compete with these guys? They're getting full control, and it's, you know, pretty good price, except for the panel. You got to buy the, the computer panel. But um, it's like, we're just, you know, and that's kind of the situation we always get into. Like, we, we sit down, we round table, like, what are we going to do next? And, you know, then we start thinking, what does every pivot have in common? A percent timer. At least the basic pivots do. And that's how you change the speed on them. It's like, how about we develop a device that you can just take the percent timer out, slide a five-inch touchscreen in, and give you know basically transform every basic old school crusty panel that's out there and turn it into a computer panel right throw a gps out on the end of, to, uh, end of the pivot and have it talk to the computer panel and give you positioning 
and sell it for a fraction of the price of what it would cost to, to put a computer panel out there. Right. So we're the retrofit. <clears throat> like we started yeah. tapping into like the retrofit market and that was a game changer. Um, our, our Z5 has been like a number, one of our number one sellers. Um, it's allowed us to grow and allowed people to allowed us to compete with everyone else in the industry. And, um, but you know, it's just, it's just those little moments in time, you know, like where you, you get your backs against the wall and you have to like figure out a way to, to survive. So it's great. You guys do that. Cause a lot of companies would be in a good spot and be like, Oh no, we're okay. We don't need to change anything, you know? And then be out of business in oh, a yeah. couple of years. It happens just like that. Next yeah. thing you know, your 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 books aren't looking too good. That's great. You guys do that. I I love that. Um, as far as like the inflation and things, how do you see the markets kind of going in the future here? Um, I mean, as far as the commodities, I don't know. I mean, it's it's all it's just like it's manipulated at the top, right? You know, I got it doesn't make any sense half the time when you look at it. So. You know what? What's going on? What I mean, election year. Um, probably going to see it increase this year. I, I would imagine. I, I don't know. Um, farm building. It all, it all comes down to the farm. I mean, there's just so many variables. Um, I don't imagine a scenario where, you know, farming is going to get you know to the point where you know people can't do it. Like I, I mean, unfortunately, it, what I do see is some of the smaller farmers across the country are going away and these corporations are taking over. That, that's what I'm afraid it's of the most. sad to see. Yeah. Also, what I was going to ask you too, I don't want to interrupt you, but just to add in there, how hard do you think it would be for a young, brand new farmer? Is it even possible? It's right possible, now? but it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. And you got to kind of like what I, what I talked about. <clears throat> um, what I talked about when we started our, our spraying business. I mean, we had an old... We call it Fergie 30, old 30 horsepower Ferguson. Yeah. We drove across the pasture and uh, you got to look crude to start. I mean, that's, and if you don't have the land, if you don't have the the machinery stuff as a young farmer, you know, with your family coming into it, if you're got no family ahead of you, it you have to swallow your pride. The only way to really do it and be extremely successful on it, if you don't have that lead into it, haven't started super early is you got to look i mean you got to comfort be damned you just got to work your ass off to do it and it can be done but it it's tough it's work it's just kind of like what you had to do i mean you're doing 78 hour 100 hour 150 hour weeks um and you sacrifice you just it's all sacrifice what i'm seeing on that side of it is the younger ones even people like our age i would call that younger in the farming space are only renting land yep. and farming the land you don't and see that, anybody owning the land to, you know. and that's a tax tax issue right land tax issue right more than more i mean land prices are high but land tax is what's gonna right. that's what i'm afraid of in the ag industry is that the the land taxes will be so hard they're going to take take land away from people and that's scary because then it, who's it go to goes to the government yep. yeah. or somebody that's going to give you, it to the you, government do you really own anything if you don't pay your taxes <laughs> well, you know, it's, yeah. that's the sad thing about the, the world we live in. It's like, oh, I, I own this piece of ground. Do you actually own it if you don't pay your yeah. taxes? No, no you're right. Do you own you're this house if you don't pay your taxes? Do you own everything? It's like, now you hit it on the head, though. It, um, it, you know, the, the rent, the rent's going up. You know, there's some acres that sold not too far from here for, you know, fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars $16,000 an acre. It's like you have to have something to build off of. Like you have to have someone, you know, your dad had to farm for that. His grand, like yeah. you had to have some, you have to own some ground. 
to be able to do that. Yeah. yeah. You can't go to the bank and get a loan for $16,000 an acre ground without owning some ground. You have to have <laughs> yeah. some sort of, you know, equity assets, somewhere. equity, you know, so, um, and yeah. So if you're, if you're just starting, you know, it's going to be tough. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I'm a little worried for a future on that aspect because, you know, the farmers that we do have are going to be, you know, no offense to them, they're going to be dying off soon and we don't have anybody to replace them. I think around here there's a lot of, there's quite a few younger people that have, like I know quite a few that um, have gone through the family. I mean, they're they're still, the younger generations are coming up into it. Some are. I just fear for the ones it. that maybe like they didn't want to be a part of the business, didn't want to be a part of the farm. I think there was quite a few in our generation, like, and I think this newer generation, they're wanting to, they're, they are joining it and they are getting after it. And Good. I don't think it's, I don't. I don't think that part of it's dire. I'm just worried. Like again, on the, I mean, they could own the land. That doesn't mean they're not going to increase the taxes if we don't right. if we don't fix that. I mean, I think a lot of the land sales should be more private. Like when you have, uh, you know, an auction or a public type of uh, sale, you have people coming from all over the place and they're running these prices up and they're they're coming into these small investment communities, firms are these doing investment that. firms like. Gates comes in and buys a bunch of ground. It's largest like, what, largest he, land farmland owner in the United States. Why is he buying this ground? You know, so it's like, you know, and, and I'm sure a lot of the, the local people are still farming it, but it's like, let's try to keep this ground, you know, owned local. by owned yeah. by local people and, and keep it, you know, safe and protected. I've always had a hard time <clears throat> with that and uh, how to how to walk that fine line because I'm I feel one way about it about stop selling your land to these people. Stop selling your land to the Ted Turner. Stop selling your land to the Bill Gates of the world. But then, you know, hear what they're paying them. And I, I, I've always felt like I can't, I can't, uh, I'm not in somebody's pocketbook. You, you do you, it's your pocketbook. That's what you want to do. But, um, and that kind of goes back to the, you know, sacrifice a little for the greater good. Sometimes you got to do that, but that's that's me not owning a ranch that's selling for a hundred million dollars. Like I, it's just I can't. I can feel one way, but it's yeah. not my decision. <laughs> right. Money definitely talks. It does. That's how we ended up with a lot of the windmills and the. <laughs> but, yeah, we'll see what those look like in fifteen years. Exactly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> windmills are nothing. Yeah, they're just windmills are just crack dealers. <laughs> so I'm going to back up just a little bit because I kind of forgot to ask you. When did you guys move from Ewing to Norfolk with, uh, with Fieldwise? Um, and, like, what, what made you guys want to do that transition? Yeah, like, so two years ago, well, three years ago was when the conversation was per- first brought up. Um, so the foundation here in Norfolk uh, came to us and, you know, talked about a business park out there. So the Bradford Business Park. And at the time, you know, we knew we needed to make a move, you know, so we weren't necessarily, we were looking all over the place. I mean, the, logistically, like, international, we started really growing with our dealer network. Um, you know, we've got, like, 250 dealers now throughout the United States, Canada, and New Zealand, and Australia, and across the, the world. And logistically, trying to just ship something from Ewing was becoming a problem. And... So we knew we had to do something. We're running out of space. We're growing. Like, what are we going to do? They came to us and said, hey, we're doing this business park. And we're like, hey, you know, that sounds great. So, yeah, long story short, um, you know, we ended up 
making the decision to come to Norfolk and, uh, you know, and then, then just from like hiring, you know, bigger pool of people to, to tap into, you know, hiring's just, you know, it's a pain in the ass no matter where you're at, no matter, no matter how big the pool is, but at least there's more people. Um, so that's helped, you know, as far as like production assistance and different, different, uh, different stuff that we're looking for, um, service technicians and stuff. But yeah, so, you know, three years ago I, I moved, so <laughs> I lived uh, our building. So we went from a two-car garage to a 40 by 60 building, which had a living quarters upstairs. That's where I lived. I lived where I worked. I was never late. I was always the last <laughs> one, you know, like it was great. No, it wasn't. It was terrible. Yeah. Um, You're always on call. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. Dude, yeah. I mean, at, at the time I was like, this is, you know, you know, this is pretty cool. Saving some cash and stuff. But it's like, I'm, I can never escape. Uh, never had to escape from work. <laughs> Um, so I did that for five years, lived where I worked. And, um, so yeah, that was a little, I was a little, uh, I was excited to, to get my own place to say the least. And so yeah, once we decided we're going to Norfolk, bought a house and about a year before we started around the time we're going to start construction, like six months before we started construction, because I wanted to be around during that, that phase of it just to kind of oversight and just make sure things are going good and stuff. And then, you know, my family moved in with me um, as a kind of a transition. You know, it's, everyone's trying to find a place where everyone's, right. you know, everyone's doing something different. So they moved in with me and, you know, big, happy family under one roof, as you can imagine. Um, <laughs> right back over again. You know, everything's <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, it's it's cool. It's like, so, that yeah, when I, when I bought the house and then, like, my, my sister and my brother-in-law with me. Um, so I went up, like, my Alex is our production manager. Married my sister, um, so they moved in with me. Um, they had a kid. Um, so when, when Alicia and Brian come up from Texas, you know they had triplets. They have another. They have four kids, so it's like you know, six people, and then eight, and then myself, and then we have Holly. There's like 15, 16 people on the road. It's like <laughs> I'm gonna go crazy. <laughs> I'm gonna like, go buy another house. Yeah. Yeah. This is a bad idea. Must have this one. <laughs> but, I'm out. You know, it's it's cool. Um, I'll look back at it sometime and my, my parents lived, my mom and I forgot my mom and dad, they lived with me too for a while <laughs> and they actually live back in Ewing now because they're fixing up the old house. But, um, I'll look back at this, the time I've been able to spend with my parents the most and, you know, just my family, like starting a business with the family. When we first started, people would come to me like, oh, that's a terrible idea. Well, we don't want to start a business with your family. Like, why do you say that? I love my family. <clears throat> and then I started, we started getting into, you know, the, the tough times yeah. and I'm like, wow, oh, I, I understand what you mean now. Like it, it can, it's it tough. can ruin it. It, it can, can ruin yeah. your very, family. Very like the dynamics. Long, yeah. yeah. You know, it, it can. And we've had a lot of ups and downs, you know, we're able to make it through, but like it, uh, it's not a easy thing to do to start a business with your family. When they were living with you, did you give them a curfew? In rules. <laughs> it was a little weird. I started. Well, everybody shut your mouth. I need to go to bed. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I started. Don't da- make me come down there. <laughs> I actually started seeing a girl, and then I'm like, you guys gotta go. That's <laughs> no, no, good. Funny. That's uh, what I would do, just as a joke. It's like, oh, the curfew's at ten. Lights yeah. out at. Right. 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 <laughs> you guys cook on these nights. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Uh, Every day that ends in Y. <laughs> that family, the family dynamic dynamic is a huge thing. I know Zach does a lot. His mom is a huge, mom and dad are a huge part of his life. Yep. And, um, my parents are a huge part of everything I do with cattle and I mean, everything we, I, I talk about, <laughs> uh, we, we bullshit all the time with our family businesses and dad always <laughs> offers to triple our pay. 
Yeah. It's all, always zero, no matter what it right, is. So right, right. it's always good. Uh, but it's it's always tough. But you know, it's everybody does it, and it's tough. But it's also re- really rewarding yeah. when you succeed because um, you get to share that with your family for sure. So yeah. I think some, some of the fights powerful. can get pretty bad. Yeah. Oh, it uh, it's tough. Some real ugly moments. Um, because a lot of, from what I've seen, you you almost get more angry with family, or like you maybe take more stabs. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know you're, what I mean? Like you're more comfortable taking more comfortable, jabs. but you also have a whole history together. So like you could, you know, if you wanted to, you could bring up something from 20 years ago. You know, and be like you didn't love me when I was five. You know, <laughs> well, and once you start getting employees too, like you can't have those outbursts. Like you, you can't let people right. see. Like, yeah. You know, you can't let them see that side of the the family. Um, interaction and you know the the stuff that you <laughs> it's just embarrassing you don't want people to see that so like, you have to start you know talking having like hey, if we're gonna have a conversation let's go to my office like let's, let's talk about this so it's let's try to let's try to be normal um <laughs> but you know we look at like every every person that works for field i look at as family right like, that's just like the culture that we've developed that's good and our dealers it's like even our customers a lot of customers that are out there that are listening. I mean, it's, uh, you know, th- those individuals, those people are, are what made Fieldwise what it is today. And that's something that I'll appreciate forever. Yep. And, you know, that's gotten me where I'm at today. And um, so we, I've developed relationships with customers. You know, it's not just I'm selling a product. Like I know these people. Right. And I'm friends with these people and I'm friends with these, our dealers. I know these people we've, we've met, we've laughed, we've good and bad, everything. It's like, we've learned from each other. Um, you know, business is about relationships. And yep. if you don't have that connection with your, your clientele or your, your customers or your suppliers or anything, like you're just, you're going through the motions and you're, you know, it's it, at the, when, and when things go bad, it goes really bad. Like, you know, if, if, if you have a relationship with someone and things go bad, like you can at least know have that, that you, you have that type yeah. of conversation. Like if, but yeah, if you're, if you're just a guy that's like, Hey, you're going to pay your bill. You know, it's like, you know, yeah, it's, it's, you know, and that's one thing I want, I've wanted from day one. I'm not perfect. No one at Fieldwise is perfect. We're going to have our, our bad days and our good days. And we're going to have people that get mad at us and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, that's one thing I've, I've, I've worked on over the years and you know, I really struggled with early on was like, like my emotions. You got to take your emotions out of yeah. it. Yep. Anything business, if you don't, if you lead with your emotions, it's going to be a nightmare. Like yep. it's going to be just a, a shouting match where both of you are going to regret it when it's all said and done. So like take the emotions out of it. That's have a, a conversation. It is it's super, too. Yeah. Yeah. Extremely Especially, tough. I'm an emotional person and I have a hard time. I, I struggle with that a lot. Um, I think you can also, like you talk about, um, just, you know, calmer heads prevail and stuff like that. I think you can tell a lot about a person. Nobody's perfect, but if you just admit, hey, yeah, I fucked up. Let's make it right. right. Whatever I got to do, I got to do it. Yeah, I miss this up. If I hear somebody just constantly coming up with excuses, then I, I don't really respect you as a person at that point like just say hey this is what it is i was going through and let's go let's figure it out let's get better from here one thing i've learned over the years answer your damn phone yep no matter what if you're super busy and you just know you can't get to that guy and he's he's on you it's like just tell him 
answer right. it because if if you if you don't answer his phone call and he keeps on calling, like he's gonna get pissed. Yeah. Like you're saying, that's, sure. an, that's gonna get he's to gonna the point of no return. Him. Yep. Yeah, you know, so like answer your calls and just be straight up with people. Like, hey, I said I was gonna get out there. Things came up. Shit happens. Like, yeah, we're gonna get there when we get there. That goes back to what you're saying about transparency, and I, I said that that's so important. That's how you build the relationships too. Just being transparent. If you're lying, you know, if you're lying or if you're doing something shady, they're not. You know, they're gonna find out eventually. Yeah. You know, so I like that. I did hear that there may have been an acquisition of Fieldwise recently. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, so Lindsay Corporation. So like what I mentioned earlier about going full circle, my dad worked for Lindsay and Zomatic Dealers all the way back. And, um, you know, it's funny about it's funny with Zomatic because, uh, you know, we looked, we've always looked at Zomatic as like one of our, our, uh, you know, our biggest competition and it's because they have a good product and, you know, they have good culture. They have, they have, you know, they kind of like had a lot of synergies as far as, you know, who we are as a company and we could just relate to them and we're both super aggressive. We, we both have, you know, focus on, on, you know, what, what it takes to be successful. And, um, so over the years, you know, the, the somatic dealers that are scattered about, we are always battling with them on sales and, you know, just like, and I never would have really imagined like it would have came to this with, you know, as far as them acquiring us. But now that I look at it you know, after the acquisition, post acquisition, it, it makes sense because, you know, they, they, they saw, uh, who we are as a brand, you know, obviously Zomatic's got a great product in, in FieldNet and, you know, their customers are happy and they've got a good team, um, good, good leadership. And, um, you know, but their Zomatic dealers are only selling a product to Zomatic, you know, their customers, like right. they're not selling to, to you, you know, sell to all the pivots, right? No matter what pivot brand agnostic. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, that's the approach we took early on, you know, X pivot, you know, brand X pivot doesn't matter. Like, you know, Zomatic dealers have their customers. They're not, they're not, selling, they're, not they're not getting into, they're not tapping into a lot of the markets that we're tapping into. You know, we're, right. we're selling to independents. We're selling to Pierce. We're selling to TL. We're selling to Ranky. We're selling, you know, we've got relationships with dealers, you know, that are, that are beyond what Zomatic can reach. So like they sell the, the, the advantage of, you know, they our an brand, opportunity. an opportunity. Yeah. They saw a way to, you know, to, to increase their, their market and in the, in the sector. And so it was, it was a good, it was a good decision on their part. And, you know, just, you know, we've been, you know, so it was back in July when we were acquired. So like, you know, the, the Lindsay team, the Lindsay family has been great to work with. Um, you know, it's, it's been better for our employees, you know, better benefits, better everything, you know, so it's the support, the resources, being able to lean on people, you know, I'm not an expert with everything. I don't know everything. So it's like, you know, I can lean on some people here and there if I need to. And, um, just overall support that they, they give you. Um, and you know, it, it was, could we have ran it out and, and kept field wise, you know, our, our family company for another, how many years? Sure. Probably. But, um, you, you get that to that growth state, you know, that, that point where it's like, Hey man, like I got to make a decision. Like we really got to, we got to pump a lot more money in this. We got to hire more people. We we got to take take it to the next level. And you know, having someone there like Lindsay to to assist that's already been through that, you know, uh, just made it a lot easier. Keeping the name and everything. Yep. So Zomatic dealers can't sell field field wise. We can't sell field net. Like it's completely separate. Good. Um, so pretty much business as usual. Um, so we'll uh, we'll continue we'll continue building our dealer network and doing what we're doing and. Um, you know, combined as, as a family, as, as one unit, you know, we're going to work together and try to just lead this industry with, 
you know, the technology that we offer our customers. Does it feel nice to have maybe that backing now that maybe it's not as slippery of a slope if something goes wrong or that it's not just falling on you guys now? I think people got to understand that, you know, the, the days of buying a product that's associated with like, uh, like for example, with the, the telemetry side of things, like, you know, the days of having, um, only being able to buy a telemetry that's offered by the, the OEM or the, the pivot brand that's over. Like people want choices. They want to have a choice in the matter. You know, there's, there's going to be guys that have Valley machines that want to put field wise on. They want to, you know, Valley machines that want to put field net on. There's guys that have Zomatics that want to put field. You know, there's not just one guy that's farming all Zomatics or, you know, all Valleys or all Rankies. Like they're renting ground. They're picking up this and that. It's all over the board, you know? So it's like, let them choose what they want. Let them make their own decisions. Don't try to force things upon them. And, you know, I, I think people should have, you know, be able to make that decision without, being penalized and punished by their their service provider or whatever, like they, they need to be able to have the flexibility of, of you know going with the whatever solution that they want. I think that's great. And so, did you see that as like a like a chapter closing though? Was it like a did it kind of hurt you a little bit? It's like it's like uh, watching your I don't have kids, but it'd be like watching your kid go off to school or something or right. get married or like you know leave the house for the first time. I don't know. It's uh it's a little bittersweet. Yeah kind of a, a pride thing too like you know we built this and and they wanted it it was yeah. good enough to where they wanted to take it over yeah it, it's 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 yeah go ahead no, no i mean it's like yeah it's it's your baby you don't want to let it go but it's like you know the fact that someone a major corporation like Lindsay wouldn't even consider doing that like that gives you a little bit of a it's an accomplishment and, yeah that's how i would see it yeah for sure yeah. did they i'm assuming they reached out to you guys yeah uh i mean there's we've i mean I don't know how much you can talk about. But. I mean, prior, I mean, we, I mean, there's, there's been like we, we've, we've always gotten along with the, the team there, and right with your you know, dad's, we'll, dad's relationship. Probably. Oh yeah, I mean, he's known everyone there, and like we'd go to Husker Harvest Days and different shows throughout the country, and you know, talk to these guys, and like it was never a, a relationship where like it was, it was a negative, like can't stand you, I don't want to talk to you, I like hatred, like type of thing. It was like yeah. respect, you know, we respect you, you respect me. And we, we understand we're competition, but like we have that level of respect. That's, you know, and I, I think that's, that's important because I hate like running into some people in this industry where it's like, they won't even talk to you right. because you're their competition. It's like, dude, come on. That's I, not how that's it's supposed crazy. to work. So, <clears throat> and <laughs> the ag industry I see, like <clears throat> it, there's a few of those pockets, but I mean, I've grown up, my dad was a cattle cattle equipment, livestock equipment, um, salesman or manufacturer basically my entire life. And so I went to some of these shows with him. He went to all the, cause, and the farm show thing is kind of dying, but that used to be a real thing. And these guys were competitors. They'd compete the entire trade show, but they'd go to dinner together, drink together, have drinks together, have dinner together, have camaraderie before and after the show. And I grew up with some of my dad's best friends were his competitors as a life were like, one guy was a valley salesman called him Uncle John. I mean, he yeah. wasn't my uncle, but he was one of my dad's right. best friends. And, like, he just treated us kids like his nephews, you know, us three boys. And and that's how I, I enjoyed that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, we're going to compete. I guarantee you, during the show, we're going to compete, and I'm going to try to sell my product over your product. But we all want to succeed. We're all trying to do better. So You know, sell your product <clears throat> based off of what, 
what you like have. The, what you have, you not not trying to uh, bad Batch mouth or bad. You know, that's yep. that's the one thing I really like. Just really aggravates me is when I see people like, oh, you know, this guy does this or that. I'm like, it's just not true. You know, and yeah. it's like sell your your product based off the merits of your product, and don't try to misinform people and and try to steer them a direction based off of like you know, your emotions, you know, like just be straight up and, yeah. and what your product compete with the other product and what the guy to make the decision. Like, I think everyone should be able to agree that like the, the consumer is the person that should, we should be looking at the most here. Like right. the, what's best for the, the individual that's, that's looking at buying this particular product. And correct. Um, I know, like, like I said earlier, like you sleep better at night knowing like you've, you didn't go into that situation, like misinforming people and, and, you know, saying you're going to get something that you're not actually going to get because that'll end up catching up. Like oh, karma, yeah. karma's, karma is karma's real, bitch. you know, <laughs> yeah. And going back to the competition thing, some of the best ideas come out of some of those dinners you were talking oh, yeah. about or, yep. or, you know, having that camaraderie between, comp, you know, yeah. competitors. Sometimes that's how the best, that's how innovation happens too. Yeah, for sure. So, well, this guy's got this, but it's not quite there yet. This guy's got this, not, not quite yeah. there. You can tweak this, you can tweak that. And this is, well, it's just really handy, you know, that, this is out of my way. This is here. And this is, yeah. And that's crazy. That stuff. I mean, it, it really is a thing. I mean, it is, um, I grew up in it. So I saw that farm show aspect my whole life. So, uh, it is something that, you know, you don't think that that's, you know, competitors would be like that until you're around it. Really. (laughs) There's one thing about like the the ag industry like uh, i think it, it takes a toll on guys over the years like, i think they get you get once you've been in it long enough like you just like i don't want to say like you get a negative type of personality or whatever but like you dealing i guess a better way to say it is like when you're in the service industry i don't care if it's ag or if you're you're a waiter or food in this industry like dealing with people is difficult and you're gonna have individuals i'm sure you see it like they come I, I was in the service industry i've been in the insurance i've been i've been, I've been in sales my whole life yeah, man, I mean, in some way shape or form so like you just understand like there's people that are going to rub you the wrong way and there's more good people than than those type of individu- individuals but those seem to want to like resonate with you with you more <laughs> you know like those two or three conversations like people come in just like i had a guy when i went to like it was Wendy's here, and one time I was, uh, we were doing our open house, and I, I went in there and ordered some food, and he's sitting there. I'm like, hey, you know, what's on? He's like, he just laid into me, like, in front of all the people there. It was like, oh, I just, I'm like, wow. You know, there's a, a, a right time and a right place to have this conversation. Right. Like, there's, there's those type Not of people. here. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, like you said, I'm doing the best I can. Like, so it's just, it's just situations like that where, you know, those type of people can kind of, over the years, kind of take a toll on you, but overall um and even good people have bad days sure i mean it happens you just catch somebody on the wrong time yeah just kind of let it roll i mean at times you gotta kind of just yeah it's i'm gonna go just i'm gonna wake up tomorrow have you found a way to kind of deal with some of that like Mm. listen just listen what what people let them let them vent let them let them say what they got to say and more times than not they'll probably call you back the next day like hey man i had a bad day (laughs) right you know i guess i mean like for your own well mental health you know like how you said it it can take a toll on you how do you i know i see that (laughs) we we can all say that yeah (laughs) it's you know yeah i mean because i always say you can try to kind of forget about it but i'm one of those it's always it always stays in the back of my head you know the next time that guy you always kind of think about it it's always in the back of your mind when whenever that that type of thing happens but um 
try to try to take the high road, try to be a better better person, you know, lead, yeah. lead by example, and just try to you know try to put it aside. with bygones be bygones? You yeah. Know? What I always like to do is prove like you know something in a good way, and then show them like, no, here you know we can do this this way or whatever the situation was or whatever it is. What can be frustrating is like the finger pointing, like. You know this this what what we run into a lot is like on, on pivots is like you know your your monitor shut this pivot off or did this or that it's like okay um you know and, and it's usually the service technician that's out there trying to fix the pivot that's like you know one thing i've realized over the years is you know when it comes to pivots um early on when i was trying to i didn't know everything i didn't you know i was just working with my dad to make some money and I was, you know, every pivot's got its own, like, color scheme as far as their wiring and stuff like that. So I was, like, had my little book, you know, I was writing stuff down, like, this color is this and all this stuff. And when we when we got into field-wise, it's like, man, there's got to be a better way. Um, and it just hit me, like, what is one thing, or what, what what are all pivots have in common? It's just functionality. Yeah. You know, stop, stop trying to memorize what colors do. Try to just understand how things work. Right. And... Unfortunately, I think there's a lot of people out there working on pivots today that don't truly understand it. They just understand whatever color or whatever, you know, thing that they're working on. And so that's not even just in pivots. That's kind of oh, yeah. in everything. We, we everything's talk, everything's we talk about everybody down. goes tries to go by the book. Yeah, yeah. Doctors or what we talked about something the other day. It wasn't doctors, it was I can't um, remember. Mechanics. Oh yeah. Just yeah, there's no trying, diagnosis. It's yeah, just no diagnosis. The just all the book says me. this, we're gonna go this route. Yeah. Like I can't, you got to understand what's going on. Yeah. So if they get stumped, they're out there and they're like, oh, there's a field wise on the end. It's got to be the field wise. And they unhook it. And we, you know, it's like, okay. Then we go out there, we, we reinstall it. Well, it's back and forth. It's like, well, the customer is not benefiting from that. Like, let's just no, figure right. out what the problem is. Yeah. You know, I, I wish there'd be more, more uh, communication, but there's just a lot of people that won't make that call. There's, you know, unfortunately, you know, you get into those situations that's more frustrating than anything. Right. Yeah, because then you're catching it. You're also catching it from your customer on the the farmer side of it, because he's gonna say his service tech said this is the issue, and then you're the bad guy. You guys are probably more than willing to work with. I want to save trips. I don't want him to go out there. We don't want to go out there and and bill for a service call that the guy that's out there originally doesn't want to have to bill for something that he can't fix. Like we want. I think we ultimately have the same like goal in mind as far as getting that guy going again and getting that system running. But it's like. You know, what's an what's an easier route to take? Oh, just blame it on someone else and move on to the next service call. It's like right. that that doesn't help anything. That just yeah prolongs the the, the issue. Hmm. I kind of want to step back again. I, I keep thinking the questions after we get past something. How did you guys go about getting your international reach? Like, did you have to travel to those places, or how, how did you guys kind of get that going? We ran into a company early on. How um, even? How we even got introduced to them. I think they found us or whatever. And um, there are international like parts sales. Um, I, ICI was the name of the company, International Components. Um, ICI, International Components, Irrig- Irrigation Components International. Or something like that. Anyway, they uh, they opened up some doors in Australia with some uh, some guys. And, you know, when you're in those early stages of uh, growth, like IPs, you know, we, we, we value our, our IP and right. we, we, you know, you don't want to get, you know, we were always kind of like your IP as an intellectual property. Yeah. And just, you know, you, you get a, a guy, you get your product in the wrong hands. They take it to China, they knock it off next, you know, you have oh, yeah. your shit running around everywhere. So it's like, we're really kind of cautious <clears throat> as far as, you know, who we were working with 
and if we trust them and making sure that they're, you know, respectful people that we could trust and, you know, weren't going to go out and try to replicate our products. And so, um, you know, the guys out in Australia that we met early on, is like, you know, we're really kind of taking baby steps, you know, making sure we know these people before we're going to allow them to just... Because that's a long ways away to be watching. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyway, we, we met those guys and, you know, being some of the best people, you know, those guys are great. Um, we've got a distributor out in Australia. we probably got another 15, 20 dealers in New Zealand, Tasmania, um, wow. you know, that they work with out there. And, um, you know, Canada, we met a lot of a lot of good people like through the Pierce channels and different dealers and independents that are up there trying to make a go of things. And, um, but it was like word of mouth, like, you know, pivot, pivot OEMs will have like their, uh, work, their, uh, dealer training, um, dealer conventions, stuff like that, where they'll bring all their dealers, you know, and through throughout the country. And like what really allowed us to grow from a dealer perspective is, uh, early on, I'd say year two or three into starting Fieldwise, uh, one of our c competitors had a, a satellite based product that was not working and it's super expensive and you know you know basically like the dealers were putting it out there and it wasn't working and they're just like hey we we got to like try to repair these relationships with our customers because they're not happy and they spent money on this and you know the oem wasn't necessarily doing the right thing and um so we stepped in and you know we kind of uh repaired a lot of relationships and helped some guys out and you know next thing you know it like they go to these conventions they start talking like you got to go to fieldwise got to go to fieldwise the next thing we're just starting getting we started getting calls and um, that was, that was what allowed us to grow because, you know, we went from, I went from like, you know, doing the, the production assembly, all everything to like, just focusing on, uh, I didn't have to focus as much on sales. Like I, we had a dealer network, you know, so we're getting the exposure, getting the numbers up. I didn't have to spend a lot of time on, you know, actually going out and selling. I could actually just, just focus on dealer building relationship product. or yeah. Yeah. So we would do some training <clears throat> here and there and then boom, let them sell it. We, we manufacture, like we build stuff. I, I was spending more time like at that point in the, in the process of just, just punching out units and, um, and then going out and, you know, we do our, our own direct sales cause here, you know, field wise here in Norfolk is also a, a dealer. Like right. we work direct with customers too. So we, we still have all these units we need to put on and stuff too, but you know, that allowed us to really you know, increase our, our numbers as from, you know, like from, from a production standpoint, from a sales standpoint. How did you guys handle service in those areas? So if you're selling in Australia, did you guys have to hire service people there or did you guys, how'd you guys handle that? They have their own. So they're, they're pivot. They're basically pivot dealers. You know, okay. so everyone we work with is a pivot dealer. So they're um, okay. So they're already having their, yeah, they established. Their own, okay. They got their own technicians and stuff. Yeah. So that, that was the advantage. Like, you know, more times than not, these, these individuals would have their own staff and, service technicians that, that had an understanding of electricity and, and pivots and how they worked and stuff. So like it was, we were just basically it was an easy training, just supplying yeah. the product. Yeah. Yeah. Training. That's awesome though. Yeah. Tasmania, man. <laughs> it's a ways away. I was going to be out there. I was actually supposed to go out there a couple of weeks ago. And then that was when we had all that snow and like crazy oh. old temperatures and flights, flights got canceled and stuff. So I'm going to be heading out there end of next month, but how long of a flight is that? <laughs> um, so out of Omaha, it sucks. Cause yeah, Omaha to like, either uh denver or chicago then the lax but from lax it's like 20 hours gee yeah i couldn't, I do, couldn't a, do a plane no hours I'm, no i've never done any, it yet. you gotta at least i've never been out of the you country don't, i haven't either well i'm six seven so <laughs> that's what i mean <laughs> yeah. i can't uh, imagine getting your economy and... that's for sure 
<laughs> I gotta at least do like you get one of those, business you get one of those beds. beds? Where you, no, I can't. I can't afford up. that. But yeah, <laughs> I, I always do like I don't the, remember the who plus somebody I saw was riding in one of those. Like, must be rough. Like, I could probably do twenty hours sitting in a like a a bed, like a couch. Yeah. It's basically like a big couch or small couch. Is yeah. what it is. Oh, the biggest issue with with that is uh, the time change. So I would have left on Friday. I would have gotten there, you know, whatever, the flight, the amount of time. So 20, closer to 30 hours on an airplane. But then I would have showed up. So I left on Friday. I would have got there on Sunday. <laughs> um, and then I would, you know, basically I'd have that week or whatever to just, and a week's really not long enough to even get over the jet lag. And then when I come back, <laughs> I, I would have left on a Saturday and got back on like a, like, it's like you're, you're going back in time or you're right. going into the future. Right. It's like, <laughs> it just really screws with your head. That's funny. Um, is there, I, I had a bunch of questions for field wise. I got, you, you kind of touched on a lot of them just by talking. Do you, I mean, where did, uh, so is the whole family still involved? Did it, or did some, some of you leave or are you still all after the acquisition? You're still all there. All, all here. Year. Yep. All here. My mom and dad will be retiring at the end of this year, which is good for them. Um, yep. they deserve it. They need to focus on enjoying life, but yeah, my, my brother-in-law, Alex, and Brian, sister Alicia, Hannah, my other sister's involved. Um, so it's it's all of the kids, all four. Except f- five of you? You had three three, three sisters. sisters. So one of my sisters is, is, isn't is involved. She's uh, sure. out in Colorado doing the nursing out there, but otherwise everyone else is, mm-hmm. yeah. So as you said Brian came up from Texas. Does he, do they still live down there? Yep. Okay, so okay, yeah, so they come up and they still come up during the the summer during the busy time, and uh, they stay with me and all the kids and stuff, which is kind of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. That's good. Do you have a? Do you guys have a dealership down there that he kind of works through down there? In a sense, the, yeah, or a, a location or not something? so much as far as like technicians and service and stuff. Like we have a lot of dealer, like other dealers that are like. There's not a lot of pivots down by Houston, but uh, you know, you get up in the Panhandle of Texas. There's there's a lot of ground like Dalhart, you know, Amarillo. Um, yeah. Even by Dallas, there's some ground, but um, uh, yeah. So he he's mainly just focused on like more business development stuff down there. Hmm. And good. then how hard was it? Uh, we talked about the the um, selling off and how it was kind of like uh, you're watching your kid leaving. How how difficult was it to make? Was it difficult to make the decision to leave Ewing to come here? Was it was it ever like God, we're just leaving where we've been for this long and we're going somewhere else? I understand the the benefits of coming here, but was it kind of one of those bittersweet toughness like type leaving things? the community type? Of thing? Oh yeah, I mean. You, you feel like when you come, you know, you start a business in that community, all the people in that community are supporting you. You feel in, like in the an back obligation of your mind, like bit. an obligation, like you should try to do something to better the community and stick around. Like there's, you know, it's not like it's an impossible task to, to make a, a business grow in a small community. You know, people have done it um, here in Nebraska even. And you know, we've, we've looked at different opportunities to, to stay in Ewing and, and like take over the old high school and different things like that, but it just never ended up panning out. Um, but I think ultimately, like, the decision that we made to leave was better because, yeah. you know, it just new facility, you know, we're able to build it the way we want it and meet all the compliance to, to develop a product in a 
and you know to meet the standards of you know the ISO 9000 like just like you know yeah. different uh, humidity controlled rooms and and static controlled environments to be able to produce a good product and not yep. you know quality control type of stuff so a lot of people don't realize that too you have to have static control to be dealing with that many components oh yeah like e- even just building a PC at your house you have to make sure you're not <laughs> you got to make sure you're grounded otherwise you're going to ruin everything you just bought oh yeah so like our assembly <laughs> areas are all you know you got to wear the smocks you got to wear the booties on your shoes yep. you got to strap into you know grounded tables grounded everything you know so the the epoxy floors are all at ESD rated you know so um you know we're having we wouldn't have been able to do that in Ewing. yeah yeah has anybody taken over the high school no Anita and I have talked about that a lot there's been a lot of people trying to figure out what to do with it and has it done anything yet i think uh the owner of it now is has found some people that are renting out some spaces doing like daycares and different things so that's i think they're, cool. they're finding some stuff good. yeah that's good to see i just don't like it. I, you know i heard a bunch of different things and i'm like well you know I, I can't think of anything at the moment but it'd be cool to help the community out a little oh, yeah. bit but yeah. yeah i was just hate seeing big buildings just Go. That's a nice school too. I mean, there's right. a lot of space, and the high school is in good shape. So some people have been buying those and turning them into houses. Yeah, old school. <clears throat> I don't know if you've seen that at all. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I think there's. Where was that at? Over uh, in Creighton or somewhere? There's somewhere. Where, was it? Yeah, the guy like someone bought the, the old brick, like old elementary school, and like turned it into a pretty sweet place. It's, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's oh, so yeah. much space you can do whatever you want. You know. Yeah, like that high school has a basketball court, a weight room, right? Fourteen <laughs> showers. It's like holy shit. That's funny. Um, <laughs> so I know you got the the fencer reader you were talking about. Uh, I've seen a, a bits and pieces. I don't know much about it, but I've seen them at farm shows. They have like uh, tank water ta- stock tank water monitors. Have you guys ever thought about doing something like that? Yep. Well, we that, got that's her. a oh sorry. But you also do that for like stock tanks for for. Um, livestock waters yeah like uh, that tank monitor will do the same thing yeah so that that one was originally designed to monitor like the chem tank you know when you're when yeah. you're fertigating um but you know a lot of a lot of big dairy operations throughout the country use them for just like fresh water yep and uh so i was thinking of you know so we, that, there was my not knowledge uh, sorry my yeah bad. we have that that work in uh they work with like we have valve controllers you know pivotal shut off like if if the tank monitor is triggering that it needs more water, it'll shut the pivot off and switch the valve and the, direct the water back to the tank, fill up the tank. Once the tank's full, it'll you know switch it back to the pivot. T- pivot takes off, like automated oh, right. stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Huh. You guys do, I mean, you really have, it started with pivot monitors, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you just, you found need and need and need. So if your pivot monitor is your, your, is that your top seller, your main oh, deal? Yeah. Like your what's, flagship. Yeah. What's your next biggest deal that you do? Uh, pumps are probably most prominent, um, especially in the Delta region, like Mississippi Delta. Um, you know, pump water is a, a big problem. Yeah. You know, we're pretty, we're pretty fortunate. It's different here. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. We're, we're under the biggest aquifer probably in the whole world. Like we're in the Mecca of irrigated ground here in Nebraska yeah. and <clears throat> We have the luxury of, you know, having 900 gallon wells without having to worry about, you know, finishing the season. <laughs> um, you getting like, you, you get not too much far. I mean, even in Kansas, Western Kansas, um, you know, you're, you're very limited to the, the amount of water. You have one, one pivot that's reliant upon, you know, five or 10 pumps to just get 500 gallons per minute. Like it's super expensive the input you know the cost to, to to pumping costs and stuff are just outrageous and like northern texas there's it's even, it's even worse than that like these guys are running their pivots four percent 
and like they don't even shut the these giant cat engines that are pumping from a crazy depth to hit the water like they don't even shut them off when the pivot breaks down they just <laughs> let it sit there and just piss in one spot <laughs> and um you know because like just the surge and like just getting it the water back up to ground like it's not even worth shutting it off so they just let it sit there in one spot until they get out there and fix it and like, change into gearbox well, it's, you know they have like drops that just drag on the ground they just seep like it's it's a whole yeah. different whole different world so yeah the pump monitor um we do a lot of bin fan monitors for guys that just want to con- control their uh, their dryers and their fans on their grain bin storage uh, moisture probes are pretty big sorry guy tell is it is the bin fan monitor can is that uh somebody was trying to explain it to me you can tell hot spots and dry spot or hot spots and wet spots or wet spots and dry spots inside the bin itself or just monitors the fan itself with our um device we don't do the 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 probes in the bins okay, gotcha. there's a lot of like the bin manufacturers have a lot of that stuff they that'll, do that. that'll sell that stuff like uh i'm not a big fan of like doing the james bond down inside the bin <laughs> um but yeah we'll, we'll just do basic stuff like just knowing the fans running gotcha. um, humidity temperature outside outside the bin but um you know we're, we're always looking like so we we have apis with a lot of companies that are out there we, we want if you if you work with a company and you're spending money on this service that they're providing you we want to be able to take that type of data and bring it into our system because i think like it's it's important to have what i've experienced over the years is like you know simplicity is huge when it comes to to farmers at least and yeah. most people it's like like for more with moisture probes for example if this, if someone gets on their our website and they can't understand what they're looking at and, and be able to make a decision within 30 seconds so you've lost them like you have to have something simple enough for people to, to make a decision based right. off of what they're seeing so you know, if, if, if they're working with this company and this company and this company and all this stuff is good information, like let's try to uh, develop a solution that can bring all those inputs into one platform to make it more user friendly and, and to you know, make it easier for the, the consumer, the, the grower, the guy that's making decisions to 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 do something with that information. That's so um, your software side one software will do all every one of your monitors correct like i can have one program that will have you have you can have multiple inputs to one program or one one user just different firmware like you said before right firmware is what kind of drives the hardware as far as like what application all those different applications so it's like you know it's just a matter of like putting a different firmware on one hardware set to do different things but um as far as the portal the 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 front end of it like what they're seeing when they get on their phone or their, their computer i mean all that's the the same gotcha. no matter what device type you you might see like a, a pivot is going to look different on your phone than a pump like yep it's but it's all on the same on the same platform field. i don't yeah. have to have multiple different yeah. things going on then you go ahead go ahead go ahead i was gonna say you have app app usage and computer usage yep. Yep. tablet uses that type of stuff yep it's all web-based, awesome. so I mean, what you see on your your phone is exactly what you see on your computer. Um, same thing with our, our computer panel controller when you're out there on the the LCD on the on the on the interface out there on the UI out there. Um, you know what you see out there, the changes you make out there will be reflected on the, the website on the port. So it's kind of a seamless. Gotcha. Look. Did Brian develop the app and the, and the web and all that? Yeah, it's just nuts. Yeah. That's crazy. He, I mean, that caught, and then you know, for to have someone else do stuff like that. I mean, hey, it, third party, it'd be crazy. it'd be astronomical oh, yeah. to create all that. Just inter and, and how they interact with each other. Oh my god! Yeah. Anita said he was smart, and now, now I'm learning why. Yeah, he's he's. <laughs> uh, I don't. Yeah, it's like when you have someone like that on your team, you feel like you can't fail. Right. You know? <laughs> it's that's great. I, yeah, 
going back to the pivots and, and showing my knowledge, two years ago, I didn't know that the whole country didn't have pivots. I had no idea. And I learned, I have a couple uh, clients up in South Dakota, and I'm <clears> driving up there, and I'm, I just never really looked around until I started being yep. around, you know, I'm selling insurance and being around farmers more. I'm, I look out into the fields now, and, and when we're traveling in different states, and I see, like, I just went past how many acres of land, and there's not a single pivot out here. Oh, yeah. So then I talked to... You could go to Grand Island and Hastings, there ain't many pivots. No, I don't pay. I, I, mean, yeah, I don't go down there very often. I mean, there is. There's getting to be more and more, but, I mean, right. that was massive flood irrigation forever. Yeah. But I was, I'm just trying to say that because I'm sure the average listener... Has they, a, yeah, they, they think know. pivots are everywhere, yeah. and it's not the case. From, yeah, from flood. I mean, there's still a lot of flood out there. Um, we have a product now; it's not on the website yet, but it's called a, a TBG, it's a traveling big gun or hose reel. So a lot of guys are still pulling the big sprinklers yep. out there and moving the pipes around and stuff. And, um, just depends on the the ge- geography of the area. Um, you know, like you get down in Georgia, you get into the Pacific North, you know, Northwest. You get you get in cer- certain areas where it's not just section type of, uh, you know, it's not section ground of ground, sections of ground. It's like, uh, it's split up differently in these smaller, tra- you know, smaller tracks and yeah. meets and bounds and stuff. So it's like, um, you know, the, the, the traditional, you know, having a center point and having a sprinkler go around it isn't always, uh, an Feasible. option, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's just crazy. Is there anything else that you want to specifically get into with field wise? Because we'll probably transition here in a minute, but I just wanted to make sure you got everything out that you wanted to promote with Field Wise. Uh, I think or, we've, we've touched on most most of it, yeah. yeah. I mean, you guys are doing a great job. Is Obviously, there anything, appreciate it. Is there anything you think that we could, uh, <clears throat> or that you'd like to get out to people that don't know much about ag, that you think would be a little informational that, that you've came about to learn, or that um, some people you'd, you'd assume probably don't know, or maybe not know st- certain things? I think it's just just under just don't be afraid of technology and, and you know there's there's going to be a learning curve i think people you know depending on their 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 upbringing um you know the older generations have a certain you know, way of that they've done things over the years and i think like that I, learning i curve, gotta drive down the country road to check my corn you know, you know and, and you know i get guys and that, they do it they i mean even you still have to do it even with technology a little sure and, and, and boots on the ground like one thing like uh, you know this might be you might be surprised to hear this me say this, but it's like you know technology is great, but yet there's a lot of technology. Understanding good tech, good technology from from like a gimmick is super important, right? In, in today's age, because yeah. like there's a lot of things that are out there that that are being pushed onto people that you know crop, you know different crop modeling services, virtual this and that. It's like at the end of the day. I, I talk to all these people and, and we we try to work together to find the best possible solution to 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 you know make people's lives as easy as possible and, and allow them to to increase their margins and make more money. But at the end of the day, it requires boots on the ground. It requires ground truth. It re- requires you know some of yeah, those research. more yeah. traditional ways of like you know soil sampling and different things to just truly understand what you're what you're up against. And so. You know, make sure that if you're going to invest in, in a product that you you truly understand and, and, and think about it. Like, don't don't just hear someone's sales pitch and, and you know, get caught up in the the glitter and all the all the fancy shit that they're that they're saying to you and all the all the stuff that sounds good. Actually do your research and understand you know, what you're getting and, and what it can actually do for you. Don't don't just take everything, you know, for what it is and, 
you know, and, and focus on working with companies that are open, you know, that have an open API and open, you know, that are open to working with other companies that don't, don't just want you to use their stuff. Like yeah. nothing against John Deere or any of those people. It's like, you know, if you're, if you're green, you're using green, like if they want you, like they, they're, yeah. they're developing products to get you to continue to go down that, that channel. Like, right. Yeah. You know, you and I'm not new, saying that's a bad thing. greatest thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's like, you no, know, there's a lot of other good products that are out there that, that offer the same type of, um, what's well, a type of a monopoly is what it is. Well, yeah, that's what, it, you, know, yeah. you know, so it's, you know, do your research, understand the product that you're using, understand the people that you're working with. Um, don't be afraid of technology. I've got guys that come to me all the time. Like, Oh, I can see, you know, four of my pivots when I walk outside my, my front door and I can, you know, do this and that like they're all close by it's like well understand like you know you're not you're not always by your house you're not you know you got kids you got to go to ball games you got you want to live your life like the convenience of of knowing what all your stuff's doing all your pivots are running or your pumps or this or that from anywhere just the peace of mind is yeah. is so like valuable you know it's and people don't understand that until they start using it and they're like wow how did i even do this before you know so. And like anything, it's a tool. It still requires, everything requires a little bit of input on everything. Like a, use it as a tool. Don't use it as a, a magic wand Yeah, um, is the way I look at it. Right. Yeah. You got to take control into your own hands on certain things. And I, 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 and I, it's not even so much like the consumer. It's like, you know, some of these, these uh, agencies that are out there, you know, the NRDs and different, you know, government funded, you know, agencies. You know, what, what is the purpose? You know, is it to conserve? Is is it to, to monitor water usage? Is, is it to, to just kind of have oversight over people? Or is it to actually help them conserve water or help them be more efficient in, in what they're doing? Like we have right. allow technology to monitor water usage, allow people to be able to control their systems, allow them to spend money on stuff that gives them a return on their investment. Don't yeah. just start to push. Don't just you know, regulate everything. Regulation and do all this stuff right. and go with like these old school <clears throat> mechanical type of, of uh, solutions. When you have technology, people are using it. Allow people to use the technology that they've already invested their money into and, and have more of an, you know, work together with people, local businesses like Fieldwise and other people that have these solutions that can help you know, accomplish the same type of task. Right. How do you see, like, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, obviously you want to see farmers prosper yeah right that's your, sure. what's what you're in the business for right what what message do you have for some of the listeners to help not promote but you know support their local farmer ranger how do you feel what, what's your thoughts on that i guess you got you got to try to relate to them you gotta i mean it depends on the business but i mean depends on the product that you're you're promoting just try to understand you know when, when i go to sell a product I don't just try to push something down their throat. Like I went, early on when I was selling, I had this like little, little 20 minute like spiel that I memorized and I, I gave it to everyone. And now it's like, I go into that situation and, and knowing what I have to offer. And, and, but I try to understand what they're dealing with on a daily basis. Like, you know, tell me about what you're doing. Listen to people and understand what they're doing and what they go through on a daily basis, understand their operation and then try to fit your product into what they're doing to the best of your, your abilities. Like right. don't just try to sell a product, try to sell a product that, that they need. Like don't sell them something they don't need. Right. Um, you know, so yeah, I guess to answer your question, just, just try to understand people more and, and actually care, like learn about what they're doing. That's and I a think, big one. I think, uh, you know, if you do that right out the gate, 
that customer is going to end up being one of your best customers because they, they're at the end of the day they're, they're going to look back at that conversation like wow this guy's actually trying to help me you know right and I was kind of going to the aspect of like the Norfolk community where some you know you, everyone's going to see somebody complain oh why is that combine going down the road or why you know whatever can't get the fuck out of my way type of thing and it's like we all need to kind of just slow down a little bit let the farmer you know there's they're who are providing your food yeah like let, let them be you know yeah, just be respectful calm down right. slow down just don't get crazy I, I mean you know support the local farmers market yeah but by local local farmers local. markets i mean i've got all sorts of ideas as far as like ways to to source you know things that we could do moving forward with you know just the produce that we're you know all the produce that we're buying from six seven eight hundred miles away from mexico and california and florida and all this like there's so many things we could do here in the midwest to ensure that all of our grocery stores have fresh you know stuff you know produce that's locally grown that has, has a shelf life that's nutritious versus buying all this junk that you don't even know where it comes i mean there's <laughs> People, so what are your thoughts on that? How, what, what are your if you, if you can talk about it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Here, we'll just take a quick pause. All right, we're back. We all we all uh, hour forty. That's my yeah, longest yeah. <laughs> time frame of making it without having to be like a new person. I know I, I do. I just feel great. So getting back into it, you were talking about how to be able to sustain some crops that maybe aren't normally done around here. Is that what you're trying to get at? Yeah. Um, so way back in the day before. I probably wasn't even born or I was real young over in O'Neill. They did this little test plot of like green beans or something. And we can grow like specialty crops here in Nebraska. It's just, we don't have the population to put in the processing plants. We don't have, um, you know, the, the, the growing, I mean, that's not even really about the growing season. It's just mainly it comes down to like the population and the, the workforce. Yeah. Um, so right now, I, I, and this all stems back, like I've, I've got a green thumb. I love growing. I've got a bunch of trees in my house. I got like 14, 15 fruit trees. I got another little, uh, Quonset back in Ewing that a bunch of trees growing in. I've been doing it for like five, six years, but it all stemmed from this, uh, documentary that I watched called the need to grow. And it just talked about like, you know, wh where our produce is coming from when you go to the grocery store. And I'm sure you guys have had this happen to you. Like you go into the grocery store, you're like, we got to buy something healthy. I got to try to eat healthy. You know, you go to the produce area and you buy some salad or you know, vegetables or whatever, and you take them home and, you know, if you don't eat them within like two or three days, it's like you end up throwing half the shit out. Yep. And that's because a lot of the stuff that is available to us here in the Midwest is shipped, you know, seven, 800 miles away. It's coming from Texas. It's coming from Florida. It's coming from California, Mexico. Um, and in order to pick a product like that, like lettuce or any type of vegetable, tomatoes, I mean, what, there's some tomatoes that are sourced around. I mean, they're doing it more here and there, but... Um, in order to to get it here and and have it trucked that far, you have to pick it before it's ripe. <clears throat> when you pick something before it's ripe, it it the, like there's no nutritional value to it. Like lettuce, for example, if you if you let lettuce grow until it's fully ripened, um, it has like a milky liquid that comes out of it when you pick it. Like it's the antioxidants, it's the good stuff. That's what makes you know. I'm not saying like lettuce is a super fruit food or anything, but it's like it has some t sort of nutritional value to it if you let it ripen. It's not um, just water. It's like not you, water. You the store. <laughs> exactly. So, like, you know, that's just one example of, like, all these different things. And um, so they have to pick it before it's ripe to get it up here. And they they, they first stop at all the big chains. They stop at the Walmarts. They stop at the Hy-Vees, the Bakers, the Costcos, you know, Sam's, all those places. By the time it gets to, like, I mean, Hy-Vees pretty pretty odd. No, it'd be higher on the list. But by the time it gets to the, the small grocery stores in all these small towns, like, it's it's a lot of times like I, I, the guy that owns the grocery store in Ewing, like there's times where 
it's bad when it gets there. I was going to say, it's probably already bad. You know, and so watch this documentary. And then also, I also got on YouTube one time. Actually, the YouTube video is what kind of got me thinking about it. Um, there's, this, there's this guy out in Alliance, Nebraska. He used to be a, worked for the post office like 30 years ago. And he put in this greenhouse out there. And they call it the greenhouse in the snow. You can look it up on YouTube. It's a great video. And basically what he does is he just puts in like a, you know, 100 by 20 greenhouse. And he uses geothermal. So what he does is has like eight runs of eight inch tubing that goes eight feet down into the ground. And it goes like roughly 300 feet throughout the property and back into the other side of the unit. So then he puts a fan over those, the, the, those tubes centralizes the air and just recirculates the ground temperature, the air in the, under, the, under the ground at that depth into the other side of the, the unit. And on average in Nebraska, the, the temperature underground is all year is like 53 degrees or something. So in the, in the winter, it's a heating agent and in the summer, it's a cooling agent. So he does that and then he has uh, a big galvanized wall. And I think some of his, his designs as of late are a little more practical, but like, you know, the big reflective wall on one side of it he has the solar aspect of the greenhouse, all this stuff. It's cost him nothing to, to, to heat it, to, right. to maintain it. He's growing, I've got pictures on my phone I can show you. He's growing every single thing you could ever, like stuff that's grown in like a jungle. Like he's really? growing like, and the size of the produce is just, it's crazy. So I started thinking like, why are we not growing why are we not doing that? Like, so I started thinking, so then I watched this documentary, the need to grow and all these different ways of, of growing micro farms. Um, you know, this is different stuff and, you know, really cost effective ways of, of growing with not having to, to own, you know, 160 acres of ground to be able to do it. Um, so I was like, okay, well, how, how can, how, why is anyone doing this? Well, so if look at every irrigated field, 160 acre section, or not section, but 160 acre quarter. All four corners of most fields that are around here that are irrigated are doing nothing. Like it's just, you know, it's a cover crop, it's rye, it's whatever. Like, you know, you could take one of these units or two probably and put in each corner of every irrigated field here in the Midwest. And you could supply produce to the entire Midwest. So that's a, it'd be locally sourced from the right. Midwest. It would be out of a longer shelf life. It'd be more nutritious. <clears throat> it would have a better price. I mean, go on and on and on and on. It's like, and I was like, why isn't anyone doing this? I just, it just blows my mind. Even to this day, it's like, I mean, obviously it's, it's easier said than done, but you know, the planting, scheduling out, like having a continuous flow of, of product going out, like what, we, what, what are you growing? What are you, you know, citrus takes a lot of time, like five years to develop a tree to actually get a, yeah. you know, an output on it. I mean, I understand all that. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it, but it's not going to happen overnight, but like, if someone could pull this off. Right. It's a 10 times better idea than CRP. Yeah. I think CR, CRP is one of the biggest scams the government's ever pulled. Yeah. I, I hate CRP. I think, yeah. so Wolf Farms, you heard of Wolf Farms? Is that over by Wakefield or? It's close. It's not too far to Norfolk. Okay. Um, they Wolf, do Wolf. Wolf. Okay. Like yeah, a, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. They uh, do some of that. Where they're doing, they got greenhouses and things, mm -hmm. and, and they do all organic. So they're doing green beans and a whole bunch of different things. And um, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of them because they're one of the few around here that are branching out their their product a little bit. So that's kind of along the lines of what you're yeah. saying, a little bit. Yeah, Not I mean to the extreme, but yeah. I mean, and even if you don't take it to, to a commercial level, like I want to I want to <clears> find <throat> some ground eventually and just have my own greenhouse right, and grow my yourself. own food. Like right. I have my my backyard, which you'll see here at some point. Yep. Um, 
I got some terrorist areas. I, I grow herbs and, you know, I dehydrate my own peppers, make my own spices when I'm growing. I'm like, just like. Maybe you'll have to help me get a green thumb. We've tried a garden for years and just couldn't get. Oh, we could grow peas. That's about all we could do. I just, I don't, I don't use chemical on it. I'm right. out there pulling the weeds. Like right. We that, did the same and, thing. And yeah. That, that ground, like around where we live, it's like the, the worms and all the stuff in the soil. Like there's just so much organic matter and microorganisms. And like, oh, it's all high. Like when you, when I dig up the ground, it's like, there's just tons of like grubs and all this stuff. It's mm-hmm. like, that's the magic, you know, that's, if you look at, if you look at uh, soil that's out in the crop, you know, basically the, the, the mentality today is kill everything but the crop that you're growing. Right. And, which is, you know, good. I'm not going to like say like commercial ways of farming or whatever. People are making a living doing it, but it's like, I know, you know, like in this, in this documentary, like they, they, uh, so in the documentary, they, it's out in Montana. There's a super, super intelligent dude that came up with all this stuff. It's called the GPH, it's a green powerhouse. So what he does is, he takes natural occurrences that happen in nature and he just like speeds it up. You know, he takes something that would, that would take a hundred years to happen in nature and does it like in you know a day. <clears throat> really? So it's, it consists of a, of a, a continuous loop, a connecting loop of, of, of things that happen. So one of the things is he calls it the dragon. So he takes uh, white waste products like uh, wood or uh, hemp or anything that, that, that can burn and he puts it in this dragon and and he burns it without oxygen. When you burn something without oxygen, it creates straight carbon. Yep. Um, like charcoal. So, you know, when during that process, he has, he has a couple of things are happening. He's he's generating enough heat to produce enough electricity to power like a hundred houses. He's also creating a byproduct they call biochar, which is the the carbon material that they they dump out of the the can, you know, the 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 chamber. Um, they sell that and they call it biochar. I put some in some of my, my plants, like my fruit trees and stuff. Basically, like if you take one square inch of, of biochar and you would unfold it, it has enough surface area to be like equivalent to like a uh, football field. Jeez. And it's just, it's just, when I say surface area, it's, it's, it's a place for nutrients and water to be stored in soil that wouldn't have that, that capability like sand or something. Right. right? So it's a, it's a soil amendment, and I've put it with plants, and like just the plants just come alive. You're just like, holy shit! And so they have the biochar that they sell, and um, they're producing electricity based off the heat that's coming from that, and they're also using that to um, go back to the. So it provides heat to the. They have a big greenhouse, and they have an algae pond in there. The algae is like one of the biggest. Algae is amazing. It's mm-hmm. like an amazing thing. And it, 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 one of the byproducts of algae is um, hydrogen. Um, not hydrogen. Am I thinking about this right? Hydrogen. Um, it's a fuel. Hydrogen is yeah. the fuel. Yeah, there yeah. is hydrogen. Yeah, fuel. It's, it's confusing. So, yeah, <laughs> hydrogen, they take the hydrogen and they, they use the hydrogen to, to fuel or to, to run the dragon. So that's a byproduct of the algae. So the, right. the hydrogen comes out of the, the greenhouse, powers the dragon, creates all the heat, creates the biochar. Then the algae liquid itself is a soil amendment. Mm-hmm. It's like a stimulant that they add to the biochar and they create like this super like charged biochar that, you know, people put in their, their crops and stuff. Um, they're growing food at the same time in that facility. Um, so it's just like a continuous loop. You know, of, of taking a waste product, creating energy that powers the, the greenhouse, powers houses, creates a bio, you know, a, a biochar byproduct, goes into the 
facility. It has algae. The algae, you know, fuels the the, the dragon. Like it's just you have to look it up. It, it's, it's just, just self, an amazing self-sustaining. thing. Self-sustaining, self-sustaining type right. of you know natural cycle. You know things that are happening in, in, in nature. Do you think they could be large scale? Oh yeah, they're they're uh, they're really growing. Um, if yeah, if you if you look them up. Um, Maybe we'll save that for we'll bring we should, it on we should, again oh, yeah. when we have the video. You guys watch sh- the video. We can show. We should talk about it. Next some time. of that kind of stuff. But, That'd be cool. You know, so that's like a my idea of like the greenhouse and the snow out in Alliance is like a small scale version of what they're doing out there in Montana. But mm-hmm. like one of these little facilities, one of these GPHs could be put in like all you know one per little small town here and there. And like it, like all these towns could be like getting their own power source. They could be getting their own food. Like the. I look I at it like, as like we're spending money. Like we're already if spending we're, money. If we're giving our tax money away, and this is I, this is thing that I, <laughs> I I I argue all the time. I, I I fucking hate taxes, but if it's spent the right way, it could be all right. This is something that provides something would actually be a good thing. You know, we're providing good food. We're providing. We're not <clears> buying. We're not spending taxes to buy shit from General Mills or yeah. Procter and Grant Gamble good. and shit like that. That isn't good for you and None it's it gonna do nothing processed, good processed all that shit yeah. like, you, you know what's, so, uh, what how do you like what's your diet like what like you, meat man i'm a carnivore carnivore like. <laughs> do you buy organic do you try to no, no it don't matter well i mean if i don't when it i like the organic on the vegetable side i i i don't hate it as much I don't like hearing organic on on the meat side of it. Not meat. I, I, I didn't mean meat. I meant like other products, like the things no. you buy. Like my, like, I'm a, I'm, a, I, I, my problem is like the labeling of of things. Like right. when they say it's, is it, is it it's organic? organic? Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, I try to look on the back. I always make sure I like, look on the back. And I trust, I trust HealthWorks down here. Yeah. In Norfolk. Sure. Here, but but I like, I, I think in the documentary they talk about like when it, when it says cage free chicken. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. It's like not. you have to have like one little door on this yeah. giant confinement right. where these chickens can run right. around like. 10 feet yeah and outside the it's like cage free all right 90% of those chickens are like trampling over each other it's I was like, just more going towards like the the process side of it yeah I've just I've noticed I've like when we moved into the to the new house I changed my diet completely we bought all organic I went eating carnivore but also anything else I was eating was all organic and I've probably lost 25 pounds since moving in there yeah I don't feel it yet I've still got a lot more to go yeah but yeah you know, it's just crazy. You just take away you eating some of the same stuff, but changing how it's made. Oh yeah, makes a huge difference. Processed food's not terrible. It's not good. I mean, you can eat so it every easy. now and again, but yeah. like every day, people are going out to eat and they're going like buying all the shit off the shelf. It's like, and I still see posts to this day. Oh, it's just cheaper to go out and get whatever. Is I'm it? Like, no, fuck, it's not. <laughs> yeah, especially <laughs> if you have a family. Hell talk about, right. We talk about it all the time. Like you can find. <clears throat> You can find meat. You can find. You can buy bulk pork. You can buy bulk chicken. You can buy bulk beef. You can. I mean, you can feed yourself at a decent price. It's expensive up front, but you're you're feeding yourself for a long period of time. You know, freeze it. They they make vacuums, vacuum sealers. Got it. Those are huge. Me I mean, too. I use the make, shit out of those dude, things. I was gonna bring some fucking jerky. I should have. Oh. I made well, a big now old batch we, of now jerky. Now we know where you live. So <laughs> yeah, but I, I go through like. Man, if 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 you had some knife skills and like, I I buy my own beef from people that I know, like yep. you know guys that are producers and stuff, and I know where my beef's coming from, which is we're a big proponent of that yeah. too. I mean, obviously he's obviously his family ranches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I buy my beef locally. Yeah. So, so and then like I'll I usually get like the the butts and like I'll break it down myself. Like when I when I get my beef, I'll say leave the the rib 
roast whole, leave the tenderloin whole, like, you know, keep the brisket. You know, like I cut my own steaks. I, w- I want it done the way I want it done. Really? And um, so I don't have any problem with that. I like it. And then I'll grind up the rest into hamburger and it's the best damn hamburger you'll ever have. You know, it's like. Anytime, you, anytime you're getting like whole, whole animal Dude, hamburger. <laughs> so good. It's whole, I, I don't know. I mean, we've butchered, we've had cows go lame or whatever mm-hmm. and, Cow, you're not gonna get good steaks out of. You're just not. You're not gonna get good roast out of. Yeah. But whole cow hamburger, oh, oh, oh buddy, that's <laughs> yeah. some good hamburger. That's mm. good eating right there. My buddy's a dairy farmer and he has those Holsteins go down. Like he'll he'll butcher that up and um, and it's it's, it's a different taste. It's different, but, but I mean, those it's still good. T bones are like the size of your plate. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> it's T bones. Like, so Holsteins are big and people dude. don't realize how big a Holstein oh, is. They're huge massive. animals. Yeah. Are you big into sous vide at all? You're like the only person I know that that's ever said you'll, that you'll to You'll have me. to come see my... Uh, what do you use? Like a jewel or what? I've got a... I forget. It's the... I forget what brand chef, it is. Chef something. Yeah. There's I'll a few you. of them. I'll show you. Dude, every, I've been a, I'm an, ad, an advocate for sous vide for I've got a big years. old... It's a tub yep. and it's and I've I got too. the vacuum thing. Yeah. It's, it's we, pretty uh, sick setup. It's better than a crock pot. Oh, it's, it's way better. It's like the only way I'll eat a steak now. Our last... Uh, <laughs> Take, so I have a, I have a still, torch. I just torch it when I'm done. I don't want to go outside. It's too cold. So we, bought, we have a... <laughs> like They call it like a caveman. Have you ever heard of a caveman? It's uh, <clears throat> basically what it is. It's a stainless steel contraption. looks like a pizza oven. gets to 1,500 degrees with an infrared oh. broiler on top. Oh, okay. And that's how we sear our steaks. I tried the torch. I hated the torch. I didn't like it. You got to pat it dry. It didn't yeah. didn't work for I me. I still just do it with uh, on the sto- on a cast iron with butter and beef tallow. Have you ever done it with Where mayonnaise? Tallow? Health works. I'm telling you. Oh shit! I'll I'm take you down there. Yeah, you should check it out. Have you ever done a mayonnaise here? Yeah, Man- I, I like a mayonnaise. I, li- I like Stop a mayonnaise the grilled cheese. The mayonnaise on the outside. Oh yeah, that's really of butter. good too. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, we we've done. We used to do prime ribs, or we we do prime ribs probably between my me and my brother. We we throw. Maybe four prime rib dinners a year, and we have we used to do. We started with doing the on the Traeger or the pellet smoker. We tried started that way, then we moved to the oven with the butter rub and all that. And now we've never we haven't done in the last six prime ribs we've done, we've done them in a sous vide. Yeah, one twenty one twenty five all the way across. Can't mess it up. So I did uh, for New Year's. See if I, if, we, if we just would have known what we know now. We could have had we could have had so much fun, <laughs> but um, we sous vide a pork butt, half of a pork butt. I did one half <clears> on the in the oven and one half in sous vide, and everybody ate the sous the sous vide was gone. It was just, just I had never done a pork butt in there, and oh my god, it was so good. The, the sous vide too, like just it infuses whatever herbs and spices you're putting on. Like you, like it goes along like garlic. Like you don't want to get too crazy with the spices because it just really like yeah oh yeah it's you know. It, Enhances it. So you ever done yeah. ribs in it? No I ribs. Pork ribs. I want. Oh to. my god. I want to do everything that's, in there. That's my favorite. Because like, I got this big. The like I got a huge. Like it's almost like a. What do you call it? like a, just a tub. Yeah. Big did I show you? Did I show you my sous vide thing uh-uh. that I made? You made it. Oh yeah, I took. I well, bought I it. Bought, I bought mine. I bought it. <laughs> I bought an eighteen dollar cooler from Walmart. The big, yeah. like the big one. That's what we cook our prime ribs in. Yeah. And I took the we took the lid, cut it out with a sawzall. And those lids are. Uh, I got an album. With yeah. Oh yeah, yeah dude. that's what my Snapchat looks like. I love cooking. Just yeah, see, now, now we just gotta. Dude, now now we gotta get the, the video portion of the podcast. So we're you gonna can, have a good time. See yeah. we are. And then yeah, we you know those 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 coolers are, those cheap coolers. The lid is uh, 
it's a hollow. Yeah. Through filled it full of great stuff. And just put our sous vide in wow. there. It's I never thought badass. to do that. I just bought one. Yeah. I should have no, just done that. It was 18 bucks. Shit. <laughs> Saves yeah. a little. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing yours wasn't that. <laughs> no. <laughs> it wasn't too expensive. This, the, the sous vide piece itself was kind of expensive, but. Yeah. Like, um, what, 200 bucks or something? Yeah, something like that. And then the, the vacuum sealer I bought also does infusion. It's a. It's not your traditional. It's a pressurized. Mm-hmm. You oh, have to yeah. close the lid. And, yep. Oh, yeah. yeah, I wish I would have got one of those. I've got it's the so, traditional ones. Oh, my God, it's so good. Uh, anyway, we, we kind of got off on a tangent yeah, there. I know. It's all right. Um, do you like? Okay, do you have any other ventures or projects that you're working on that you're willing to discuss with us or, or things that you have ideas for? Because <clears throat> uh, obviously you got the feel-wise. I guess are you, since the acquisition, are you, are you wanting to, are, is this what you're wanting to still do? Or are you yeah. going to kind of try to... Yeah, for sure. I think uh, right now the main focus is building the team. Uh, you know, making sure that everyone's uh, you know built, built, bringing in more people, bringing in more technicians. You know, making a, a work environment where you know during the, the the summer and the busy time of the season where we're not working incredibly long hours. You know, so people can enjoy the summer a little more and have a life. That's something that we've really not been able to do in the past. So building the team up. You know, looking for new opportunities. Yeah, I mean, we have. Uh, in the past, when people, I would get real excited, like when someone would come in and be like, hey, man, I want to buy 300 units and, you know, I want to do this and this and this. And I'd go to Brian, like, we got to do this. You know, it's 300 units. And big. Like, well, you know, break it down. Like, you know, how many, basically, like there's the SWAT or, you know, there's there's uh, ways of, of evaluating whether something's worth pursuing or not. And Pop, profitable, I'm assuming. Or, yeah. Or, you know, so there's we, we call it a new dealer or not new dealer request. We do that as well with dealers, but kind of vet dealers in a sense to make sure they're a good fit for for being a dealer. But we do the same thing with new product development. So a new product request basically we come up with a, a form that, you know, people will fill out. And it'll, you know, ask questions like, you know, is there another product on the market that's available right now that does this this thing? What does it cost? Um, you know, what, where, 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 what's the price range need to be for us? You know, what, what's the business look like? What's the five year outlook? Like, you know, just, is it, is this going to be a sustainable type of thing? Are we just going to yeah. do the R and D on it? <clears throat> Are we going to do the dev work on it behind for the nothing. scenes for nothing, if, right. you know, to sell 200 units or something. So like, you know, there's, and one thing I've learned over the years is there's, there's a lot of time and effort and, and, and resources that get put into the, the back end into the dev side of things. And, so it's really, it's really. That's the biggest portion of businesses oh, yeah. anymore that involve any kind of tech. Yeah, right. Especially oh, when yeah. you're, say some, say you're trying to compete with someone. They've already got a, a manageable oh, yeah. product. Yeah. What's it going to cost you to get to that market point, penetration? Yeah. And make it point, better. L- let alone get beyond them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And make it better and make it at a probably a better price. Yeah. Right. I do have an idea I want to talk to you about. I've talked to everyone about this. On, the, everyone, on the podcast? Everyone, not, yeah, I'll okay. talk about it. I mean, right. whatever. I, I, I bought the domain name. Just want to make and, sure. I mean, if someone beats me to the punch, sure. You know, I hope, I hope, <laughs> I wish them the best. I hope they become billionaires. But <laughs> well, we've only got about 100, 150 listeners to the podcast. So. <laughs> well, I, I'm all for it. I, I'm going to put it out there just because I I, I, I I, do kind of plan on doing it. If I get to it, I get to it. If someone gets to it before me, then do it. Go out and do it. I think it's a good idea. Have you ever been in a situation where. You're with your family or at a family event or on a holiday and, you know, someone wants to make some cookies, like, you know, maybe the wife wants to make some cookies or the kids or something and you don't have any butter. The butter's too cold. You can, you know, it's in the refrigerator. You got to set the butter out. You got to let it come to room temperature. 
Or you could put the butter in the, the microwave and they forget about it and it blows up and it fucking makes a big mess. Um, or the butter's too hot. It comes out like liquid, you know, lava and, you know, it's, it, the cookies are all fine. Whatever. Butter's, it's, an, it's, a, it's a thing. It happens. Yeah. yeah. And all you're trying to spread cold butter on toast and it just rips Horrible. the whole toast apart. It's just yep. a terrible. Like, you know, like, as soon as you pull it out of there, like, shit's gonna be, I, I'm not waiting. Toast is hot. It's going to get cold. You try to, and it just yep. rips it all to shit. So I had that same, you know, this happened all, all, multiple times throughout my life. So just recently, at like Thanksgiving, that came up, and me and my brother-in-law were sitting there, and like, man, there's got to be a better way. Imagine a device that you can take a stick of butter, put it in, and it'll dispense the perfect temperature butter right on, right, you know, real that'd, time, that'd be at cool. any time. That'd be pretty cool. Call it a butter gun. Right, a butter <laughs> gun. Like a, like a cock gun, but a... Butter a gun. butter gun. Yeah, it's like a yeah, exactly. You you load it up, and you know you you'll we'll start with just the butter gun would be like like a cock gun, like a mm. manual version of it, and then you know have a heated extruder on a heated nozzle. It'll heat the butter up, be perfect. You know, you just extrude whatever extrude every. That'd be perfect for corn on the cob too. You have that different would, nozzles. Uh, you might put uh, the crappy vegetable oil and plastic out of business, and that'd be good That's, for everybody. That'd be amazing. Because oh, you could put, you could get a brush attachment for the corn on the cob. Butter Gun Pro, it's an electric version of it. It's going to have a, uh, you know, presets for one tablespoon up to eight, whatever a stick oh of butter God. is. It's going to have an herb infuser attachment that you can put <laughs> herbs into the butter as That's it's dispensing sick. it. Different nozzles for different type, you know, corn on the cob, you know, whatever. I think it's you got, a, you got a good idea right there. You that Butter Gun's going to work? <laughs> it works. I, I don't want to talk to it. I'd buy one right now. <laughs> I know, and I, I, everyone I talk to is like whether it's a gag gift or like people that really love butter or use butter. Like this so would be I, something I would use. You're That's a, a, you're a you should crowdfund that. You should, but you start but crowdfunding <laughs> it now. But you're a carnivore <laughs> oh guy. Like I, I leave my butter in a butter dish. Like we have two. Sit it out there. Almost yeah. two sticks of butter out on the counter at all times. Yeah, in a, yeah we in do a dish. in our house all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just started at least. But most people don't do that. No, but I use it. I go through it so fast; it's never gonna go bad. I think there's a misconception. People think butter goes bad if it's sitting out there. No, no I mean take, it takes a while. Takes a as long, long as you keep it kind of. Have you ever had it go bad? Does it like get mold on it or something? I've never had it go bad. I've never had it go bad sitting out. It maybe went bad. I still ate it. Okay, you don't even know. I've, I've never, never seen. I've never seen mold on it. I've, no. I've never had butter go. I've bad I've had for it get me. hard, you know. But oh. I also buy certain kinds of butter. You know, and so the outside gets a little hard. But. There's just stick and there's spread. There's only two options. And butter, the butter industry is a billion-dollar industry, and it hasn't changed. Like, there's nothing right. to help but people. But the spread butter is not butter. No. Is that what's... Oh, it's not. Oh, it's vegetable oil. Oh, yeah, yeah I've heard that. Margarine. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. It's like, You're right. like yeah. can't believe it's yeah. not butter. People don't want to fuck around with that. There no. are some spread, like Kerrygold. Is it Kerrygold? I think there's a spreadable butter. There but is, it's, but it's not. It's hard to use. You have to like let it sit out for like an hour. You got to be prepared to make toast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just prefer exactly. to have my stick of butter, yeah, yeah. sit in my little butter thing on the counter. Right. So imagine and, like a little little suction cup attachment you put to the side of your refrigerator wall inside the refrigerator. Yes. It's got your sticks and your butter gun. You pull it out, boom, right on your. I love that. I love that idea. I, I love funny. it because nothing makes me madder than. You usually have your butter out. Right. You forget to get a stick out or have right. forgot to leave a right. stick out. Yeah. Just like you're talking about. I always like, do that. We, we bought this huge like butter dish from, I think it was from Target. And <laughs> I put like four sticks in there. Yeah. So there's always enough butter. Have a little attachment. <laughs> you can put like cinnamon sugar in. It'll be like cinnamon oh sugar butter God. coming out. I mean, come on. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> yeah, that'd be The only good. thing I'm thinking but of is the cleanup of that. One, okay, time out on that. Dishwasher. That one to dishwasher me. Dishwasher safe. safe? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
that adding the cinnamon and sugar to the butter is maybe a step too far. No. Because how hard is it just to... I'd but if like it's already infused, we no, gotta go find the sugar. Right. You gotta find the cinnamon. Like, no, it's not right. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't like that it's one. I like right. the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's great. I like that idea. That's yeah. a good one. Well, I might try to do it. I've, I've, I have a couple drawings. I, I did buy the domain names buttergun.com. <laughs> um, so we'll see. So we'll if see what anybody happens. beats you the punch, they at least have to buy the They'll domain. Buy me, I'll get something out of it. <laughs> a lot, probably. That's a, sell yeah. the domain. You gotta have that. You gotta have that domain. Yeah. And you can't. <laughs> That's great. What are you gonna call it? Fucking. I don't know. <laughs> Going to that though, I saw a TikTok the other day that was showing an old refrigerator from like the nineteen. I don't even know what it was. Nineteen sixties, and you opened it up, and all of the shelves swung out on a swivel, and there was a butter warmer. In the fridge. In the fridge? In the fridge. There was a butter warmer. So all so all the shelves, like your normal fridge, all swung out like a like a lazy Susan almost. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't see that. No. I was like, that'd be the perfect fridge of all time. Holy shit. Yeah, They're like, ahead of their, their time. Well, I think there's a lot of technology from back then that we just don't use yeah, nowadays that I think so too. was very innovative. Yeah. Probably but yeah, had, had a butter warmer in the door. That's, That's badass. Yeah. Good idea, Bo. I, I right. like that. All right. I appreciate, like I said, I, I brought it up at Nita's, uh, Nita's birthday the other day and I talked to people about it. And like, yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even talk to you that day. No, I, I just sent Vance over. Yeah. I saw you guys. I, I saw a group standing up by the bar. That must have been you guys. <laughs> yeah, that was us. We like to party. <laughs> just a little, a little too much. Um, You ready to get a little political? Yeah. Are there, is there anything else, other projects you got besides the butter gun? Uh, you know, Buttergun.com. Butter all I can say is um, without... You know, what is the, the expression? Taking the cat out of the bag or whatever mm-hmm. the hell it is. Um, we're going to focus on pivots. Right. You know, there's a lot of companies out there focusing on crop health and agronomy and and all this other stuff. You know, we're, we're, we're specializing on, you know, pivots and controlling and monitoring pivots and pumps and, and all, you know, the stuff that we're good at. So um, there's going to be a lot of stuff coming down the, the pipeline to help people um not just know that you know you know the thing's shutting off or you know changing pressure or, you know other stuff like that but to actually kind of understand more you know things that are happening on on the actual machine itself from a like a maintenance diagnostic standpoint yep. so so you got some cool stuff coming <clears throat> yeah we got some so like gearboxes and different stuff that type yeah. of stuff more yeah. healthy pretty badass stuff. yeah yeah awesome like that ready for politics i'm ready I mean, so just to, uh, to prefer, you know, before you say anything, I just want you to know, I stopped watching the news quite a while ago, just like because pandemic or like how long ago? Basically, since Biden got in office. <laughs> so uh, I'm under the impression that it's all hunky dory. Everything's out, good. You know, Fox, CNN, it's all shit. Yeah, like, yeah. to be honest with you, you should like, listen to our other podcast. Because um, we we talk about all that, you can, you can get your news in a good way. So when it comes to politics, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, it's you know, and I, I'm I'm not I'm not scared. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you know, my my uh, opinion on it. I just I, I think that we're, we're you know, it's it's actually sad because I I truly since Trump came into office, it opened my eyes. I think it opened a lot of people's eyes. That you know, it's it's sad that. I think we're we've been li- I, I'm under the impression now that we've been lied to about pretty much everything, and 
know, for stuff, quite a while. Stuff that, like history, like a lot right. of shit that we even learned in school. Right. Like yeah. we've we've been lied to about so many things and, that have happened in our the past and and truly like what what the United States of America has done like on all these wars like all this different stuff like it's not good. Right. So I yeah. We can we can we can continue off that, but I just want you to know that like I don't really pay attention to a that's lot of okay. the mainstream media. I a, do my, a lot I do my own like, research. A lot of what I'm well, that's good. We we like that. Yeah. All the stuff I'm going to ask you has nothing to do with anything like current. It's just going to be how you yeah. feel. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Is all it is about current, not current uh, news, but yeah, not how current you feel news currently, but how you feel currently. Yeah. So so with an election year coming up, how do you feel about where the state of our country is right now? And do you feel that we are being well represented at the federal and state levels? Mm. <laughs> it's a lot to take in. Yep. You can take each each question as you want. So I, we can do the first one. How do you feel that, like, how do you feel about where the state of our country is right now? I think we're in a very vulnerable state. I think we're in a bad, we're in a, we're in a unpredictable moment in time where we're, we're in life support. We're, you know, from a economical standpoint, I don't even know how we're, we haven't crashed. Like, you know, from the U S dollar, I'm guessing it's the petro, you know, the fact that we are the worldwide currency, we are the petro dollar. That's what's keeping us afloat for now. So, I would say for now, cause it's, that's ever increasingly changing. Uh, I mean, look at it, man. Inflation. Look at cost of living. Look at everything. You know, interest rates. It's all terrible. It's just all shit. Here's what I can tell you is every conversation that I've had to have this year in my business has been talking about rate increases. And that takes a toll on me because I have to sit down across from every customer and tell them, hey, your shit's going up. How tenfold. Do you, how do you do anything right now? If you're if you're <clears throat> like like you bought you bought a house, it's like very, very, very carefully. Yeah. I mean it's oh you it had it had to be the right price. We had to be okay with the interest rate, right? For sure. But it was a it was a life change that we had to make because of having the daycare at the other house. I couldn't I just couldn't be there anymore. Yeah. Daycare had taken up so much of the space that I didn't have. Our family didn't have like my son didn't have his own room. Like it was like being shared during the day and like all this stuff. And it's like we just it, it, it had to happen. So But I can't it's, see how people are just willy nilly buying houses. Like ours was an event because we're going to put it in a small daycare over there too, so it's going to be a an investment opportunity. And you too. had a house, right? You, you had, I mean, so you, yeah, you you're coming from like if you're just going, if you're well, just. I, getting, I had a house in, a, in in this building and and things, so I mean, I had established mm-hmm. stuff, but somebody just buying a new house, oh, yeah, is, incredibly expensive. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine. <clears throat> no. Yeah, so I mean, so as far as where we're sitting at. I think there's a lot of unknown. That's the scariest part about it. Like, I'm guessing here in the next few months, things are going to get a little crazy again. Is, is it going to be? What do you think? Like, what, what, uh, what are you feeling? So I, I would just want to give, I want to preface what you just said there. So we're, what, January 31st? Yes. Tomorrow is uh, February 1st. So last election year, COVID was March was 17th. March, right. March 15th or March 17th. Right. And George Floyd was after that. Mar- like to, uh, to the three, it was basically yeah. three weeks after that. Right, right, right. And that's when shit went crazy. Yeah. We're still two, two and a half months away from it's going to happen. Something, something, yeah. they're going to do something. Yeah. So and I just, it's crazy. Yeah, and I asked one of my buddies the other day about that. I'm like, so I was thinking back, like, when did COVID actually happen? And yeah, it was like March or it was March, starting April, in like February. You saw the and, videos, like all the yeah. people in China, like in their hotels, like, yeah, help us. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, the, th- the, 15 days to slow the spread was like March 15th or 17th or some shit like that. So there's going to be an event. 
I don't know what it is yet. They, they've <clears throat> always been very good at like telling us in advance, which is crazy. Like if you look at like what Gates has said and like all this different things, there's gonna be another virus We're already talking about. We this just shit. have to go watch yeah. The Simpsons. We have to have somebody <laughs> go watch The Simpsons and figure out which piece of The Simpsons is gonna be the problem. So I mean, I would, I would almost, I would almost put money on it. Like there's gonna be something that's gonna be a distraction. To what extent, I don't know. Will it be like a COVID? I don't know. But something's going to happen. Do you have faith that people are they're more aware now? For sure. I think aware so. Aware enough or not enough? Do you think if enough you, people are if aware? If you look at Biden anytime he's on television and think that things are okay, you're fucking, something's <laughs> wrong with you. I don't, I mean, I, I just like, he, I don't know. Like, choir here. Yeah. You, you can't do, can't, can't, you can't find his way off a of stage. You can, like when he's talking, he like can't he can't speak. Can't speak. He he. It's sad. It truly is sad. I don't think he's. I even, wouldn't want my grandparents to go through something. My grandpa. Us, uh, us three can speak better after twenty five beers. <laughs> Sometimes. So, I mean, I, I might be a little. I think bit Nikki, I can still understand you. <laughs> Nikki Haley's a Trojan horse. Like they're 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 trying different they're trying different tactics to like try to throw Trump off, and Trump's just whooping ass, and that's just what happened. So th- when it comes down to it, is like. They're gonna have to have some sort of event to to keep their narrative going and and stuff. So yeah. I don't know what that is gonna well, be. Well, they tried but. with taking them off the ballot. Oh yeah, oh yeah, exactly. Shit like that. I mean, come on, that's like against the Constitution, man. Right. Like, hmm, hmm, that's tough. It's it's. I just keep that's that's what keeps going through my mind. This last and this, pretty much this entire month is like, we're still three months away from when shit popped off the last election cycle and we were coming off of three great years. The last election cycle is the three best years of my entire life. Economically. I I mean, I I maybe wasn't making as much money then as I am now, but I was definitely in a better position. But your money was going further. Sure. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I think everyone should ask himself a question. Everyone should ask himself, like, do you have more money in your bank account now or four years ago? Or feel like you can buy more. Or feel like you can even buy if you more. Don't, like you even if you more. have more more money, you may have more money in your bank account now, but are you more comfortable? Yeah. I can't tell I'm you not. three, th- four years ago, it wouldn't have taken all the hoops I had to jump through to go buy that house that it took to buy it right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that, that took a lot of, it was like three or four months of just planning and trying to figure it all out. Yeah. Because of the economy, because of how interest rates are, and it's just nuts. Yep. What do you what do you think about uh, the financial situation? I mean, you guys dabble in crypto at all or anything? I got a very 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 minute amount in crypto, but I mean, I, I was late to the party. So I was, I've been early waiting. though, man. It's but still so super. I've, but I was late to like the Bitcoin thing. Right, right. I've got a little bit of Bitcoin. It's not anything significant. I've yeah. kind of been in and out of it. I've jumped I bought in some and out Doge. Of it. I've never lost any on it. Do you think that? The future is going to be a digital currency type of situation. Or I hope not. I think it's going it's decentralized. That way. Well, I think it's going that way, but I don't want it to, like as long as it's decentralized. Yeah, I don't want it to go digitally because <laughs> I just don't have faith that our politicians will keep the government out of it. I don't even know. It's like I don't. I don't always like having all of our money in a bank. Do you feel comfortable with your money in a bank? Yeah, your, your money in a bank not is at all. It's basically digital. Yeah. I mean, a bank, but it's l- all modern monetary theory. Luckily, most of mine is built up in, it's, just, it's in property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I mean, like, you have a bunch of money sitting in the bank account, you go, you know, you put it in there, you go in there a week later and say, I want to take a, a chunk of it out. They're, They're not going to have it. it. No, they no, don't, they don't have, have it. It's, fraction, it. it's fractional reserve banking. They don't have yeah. the money there. 
Like everybody thinks that the money's in the for, bank. For the you listeners, understanding the bank. the bank only has to have a percentage of whatever of they carry. whatever they have in, in assets there. Yeah. If you try to go take out a certain amount of money, they're not going to be able to do it. They, they have to do. Like they you. have to do it within. I think it's five business days or seven so, business yeah, you days. Give them some time. But you have to give them time. Yeah. So like, if if the banking industry goes down, that's what happened with the. What was the Silicon, Silicon Valley yeah, Bank? Yeah. Was a run on. There was a run on the banks. Yeah. And it, it collapsed them because everybody came to. Try that's to all it takes, man. It, yeah. takes, it, it takes it, one it's run. Like, it takes one person on Facebook saying they can't get toilet paper, and boom, no more right. toilet paper. And, and, yeah. and also, just remember, the banks are taking. They're using your money and <clears> investing it. Insurance companies are doing the same thing. Oh, yeah. It's just a big pool of money. And they invest it and they get their return and that's how they are profitable. Yep. That's that's plain and simple. That's that's like the whole thing with me. It's like what what do you feel comfortable with? Like what you know, you want a diversified portfolio, you want to have some money in, you know, in the in some stocks or whatever, you wanna have some C you wanna do some CDs, you wanna have some some uh some metals you want to invest in this and that. I'm like what, what are you going to do like have a little bit of crypto i don't feel safe having all my eggs in one basket that's for sure yeah. no never no. never in one basket and have some investment properties i think Pro- that's properties a good thing, is a, is a good thing. I, I just always think even if even if the property economy goes down having it is better than not in my opinion oh yeah because it'll always come back it always has yeah guns oh yeah I got a few of those guns that got lost in boating accident. I bought those are sh- the best. I bought a. Sh- I don't see how much I should say. <laughs> well, now, now I'm glad you're my neighbor. I don't own any weapons, so I'll be coming to your house if shit goes down. We'll be you're bringing protected. the whole family over. I'll be the protector. I'll bring enough. my. I'll bring my dog. Yeah, I can. Uh, the whole community will be all right. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, do you feel that we are being? So let's not go to the federal level. We kind of already talked about the federal level. How, do you feel like at the state level we're being we're being well represented, like do, or even the city level? How do you feel about all that? What are your thoughts? Not really connected with it, to be honest with you. But I, I, f- just my experience, like in the ag side of things, I f- I feel like a lot of the the public hearings and a lot of the things they they put on are a way for them to make people think that they're their voice is being heard, but yet the decisions are already being made behind the scenes. Like, yeah, they don't do anything about it. No. Like, it's like, oh, what do you guys think about this? You know, let's hear what you have to say, and then they're going to make whatever decision they want to make. Well, it's probably already made before yeah, they even come. before they go into it. But, yeah. you know, it's like Norfolk, for example, I think, you know, they're doing some cool things. Like, they're they're, they're trying. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the downtown scene is really improving. Um, I can't sit here and just knock them. Like I, I think they're they're making improvements, um, but you know, from a, a government standpoint, I don't know how much. You know, I don't like I said, I, I don't get into the political side of it. Like on, on a local level, to be mm-hmm. honest with you, so I, I couldn't really. Do Do you have any not knocks, but do you have any critiques of what's going on in Norfolk? We ha- we have had at least one other person come on here and and give their critiques of downtown. In in a, um, in a not a negative light, but um, just honest critiques. I think it's tough for businesses because just to find good help. It, I mean, I think that's a big problem. Um, everyone's everyone's battling trying to find good help. You know, what one thing I have noticed, you know, and just from a business standpoint, I'm not going to say any in, any business in particular, but I think my personal opinion is if you're going to run a restaurant. 
My my dream someday is to, to open up a restaurant. That's what I like, I like to cook. You know, I feel like that's like, a, like uh, I'm the same way because like, we we both like to cook. You like to cook. Um, I go into these 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 uh these restaurants. You know, they're coming up these pizza places and all these different things, and I don't see the managers there. I don't see, you know, I I see a lot of uh, corners being cut. I see a lot of things like that. You know, I I feel like. You know, if you if you want to make it make it successful, you got to be there. Like as a manager, right. the guy that owns the place, like you got to be there. You got to be in the trenches. Visible. You got to be you got to be supporting your staff. I want to see you there. I want to see you there every day. I want to see you there. I want to I want to see you talking to your customers, working on ways. You know, talking about ways to improve your business and to get more more people coming in the door. I guess I, I haven't had that experience. Right. There's a there's a few. There's a few in you, town yeah. that you'd be surprised that. I've I've had really good luck with. I see them, the owners or the higher ups there yeah, all the time. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to name too many names because I, I I don't want to like call some other restaurant out because I named one. Yeah. But there are there are I'm, some. I have yeah, my I'm favorites. sure there are. And I, yeah. yeah, I'm not. But I'm like, I don't go out a lot. Like you know, right. I, I eat sushi. Like I love Sakura. Right. Um Jackie's Jackie's a shit. Like got good <laughs> service and you know I've been to. You know the district's good for you know all these all these four eleven um, some of these new pizza joints um, you know the divots downtown I mean, some of these new places are are yeah they're I think right, they're I on the right track. I do see you're saying that the owners do or the but proprietors got to be there to yeah like some of these see like, what the I'm sure they're there wants. maybe in the mornings or at certain times of day but it's like I, I just feel like if you're in, and maybe if if you're if you're successful enough yeah you'll probably not have to be there like in the you know, during the, the, the prime, you know, bad rush. bad rush or whatever, you're going to build up a staff and if you have a good staff, but like, I feel like when I'm in a restaurant and the staff isn't, and I see the sat, the staff is struggling to keep up. Like, where's the manager at? Yeah. Like, where? I, I actually agree with you on there. If I owned a restaurant, I would make sure I'm there during the busiest time just to make just, sure yeah. the service is going. Well, I know well. how you guys were when you were back at Big Red. Right. I mean, you guys, you guys so were I, absolutely I visible. Was assistant manager at Big Red for oh, yeah. five years oh, sure. when they first opened. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was just telling. That's all I'm getting at. Kind of, we, we were always visible. We were always, you know, we we it was a it was a team thing there. So like we, I was filling refills. I was yeah taking orders when when you know all that kind of stuff. I so, so I have a buddy that owns a restaurant and back home and uh, you know always have always talk to him about like. You know the whole greenhouse thing, and and my idea of like a restaurant is having like a, a greenhouse or attached to it or something. You know where you're getting that locally sourced farmers market type of you know seasonal type of menu. Yeah. Your experience with uh, Big Red, do you feel like the, the the food is high quality? Like, do you feel like the the hamburgers are, you know, you know the, my honest, this, I will give my honest opinion. Yeah. Now that I've been out of there for so long, no. It's all, you know, this is Danny talked about this on, he's the owner of 411 and some things have to come from places like Cisco and yeah. things because it can't like some of the regulations that the government puts on things, you can't get local source stuff without going through a sure. bunch of hoops. Um, he, he does a good job there, but no, I, I can tell you right now, um, I'm not saying it's bad quality, but it's not going to be great quality. And, you know, People used to come in and say, man, I loved Burger Mania on Wednesdays. And I, I always <laughs> ordered mine rare or medium rare. And if you don't do that, they were sitting in Aju for most of the day. Yeah. You know, I I I hate I, I hate saying that, but I'm just I, I, I like being on, honest on this podcast. So 
one of my well, he's just true. He it's always told true. me he's like, why would I do that? Because you know what, people come, people want the cheese balls, they want the fried stuff. He's like, that's what they want, and that's what I'm going to give them. Mm-hmm. He's like, why would I change it? <laughs> I was like, well, I guess you got a point to an extent. Yeah, there are some people that want things different. But. Yeah. At, at what point, like, does I, I think it comes down to population? Like, if you want to have that fresh seasonal one-sided menu with like twelve main type of uh you know you, you're depending on your choices your, you know yeah. like you, know, you just have your like i always had like the uh always thought like a, a good idea for a restaurant would be like having a menu of like one of the best um items from like all all the other successful restaurants that are out there so like you have your like this burger that everyone like the in and out in and out burger like you mm-hmm. have all these different things this chicken sandwich a signature chicken sandwich like a That's popeye's like chicken through all the, everyone the- loves these certain things so you put it all in one menu and you create like a, a one-sided menu with just like fresh and then you have a couple seasonal items like i don't want a freezer full of frozen shit i don't want right. the overhead to deal with you know i don't fresh i want fresh yeah. and, and at what point like does it become like you have to have a certain population i think to make that work it's not just that but having it um you're you're right but it's also keeping your menu small yeah i always love a place like a local place when i go to not just in norfolk but anywhere and i see the menu small I'm like, I know this place is going to be at least decent yeah. because that means they're trying to perfect the things that are on the menu. Yeah. I think Norfolk <clears throat> should try to like incorporate some sort of uh, Northeast, try to bring in some culinary type of um, you know, program that, that they can offer to people to try to bring more talent to this area. I, I agree with you. And yeah. I also think that the state government needs to make it a little easier to get local. We have the stuff here. Well, he meant like for the college to. No, I, teach I, I get that. Yeah. I yeah. just meant make it easier for the restaurants <laughs> that are even open. So we can bring the the chefs here, but yeah. they still can't get the product. Yeah, that's all I'm. Danny that's did. Right. That's we right. did have Danny on for a podcast, and he was talking about that. So, like, yeah, so tell me about that. Like, what what do they have? I, mean, I understand so, like USDA so like, and all this stuff, but it's like, well, what? he was limited. So like he's talking about like seafoods and stuff. Like you can only get it at certain times. So he's got to base his menu off of when he can get certain stuff. Yeah. Um. Because and then it's to keep the freshness and that type of stuff so i mean that is kind of cool but he said it, it he did complain that there's times it's difficult to get certain things that he wants and you can't just and so dock up on it and yeah, hope people come because in then it'll go bad yeah. well then you're freezing it and then it gets you yeah. know, and then there's you no know point frozen shrimps like buying it from the store <laughs> yeah not good oh yeah and so oh, he'll, india you know and then people <laughs> people complain about it but like like he said is like i there's nothing i can do here right. I'm in the middle of the country. I'm getting. I, I know I he, tra- he tries to get most of his beef sourced here. Yeah, things like that. that. So, but even that stuff, Andrew. So Andrew McCarthy at District also talked to us. Like he want he has local beef producers trying to supply him, but he's like, okay, can you give me X amount of beef per week or whatever it was or month? And they can't. Can't do it. They can't, can't do, really it. do it. Mm-hmm. So, gosh, you think that would be a simple thing to figure out? Like, well, because you only want it, one supply. You, you don't want to be <clears throat> dealing with. You know, if one's the volume, volume do it. yeah, volume, yeah. The Price. biggest problem on the beef side is we have all kinds of beef around us. We don't have the processing, and it's so regulated. Other than the five main packing plants, yeah. that it's difficult to fight with. Yep. Yeah, you just can't compete with their prices too. Like that's another thing. Like well, getting, they set the market. Getting it off right. the truck is a hell of a lot more cost effective. But yeah, quality over over quantity. I guess that's the biggest thing. Yep. So it's and, it's feasible, but and even like. I mean, you can take some of the quality. A good chef 
can can make good food. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it it all it takes is a good skill, like you yeah. talked about, good culinary. You show. can take that eighty twenty chuck at the Walmart and turn yeah. it into a good. It can, burger well, if we can do it at home, yeah. You know what I mean? Like if us, if yeah. us three can make some good shit at home, I mean, it, it can be done around here. Yeah. You think there's a good barbecue? Like I know uh, Uncle or Uncle uh, Uncle Gerald smoking stands. Uncle Gerald good. I mean, smoking stands is really good. There's that. um, It's a truck that was sitting out at the hospital one day when I was up there for something. It was really good too. I can't remember what it's called though. I didn't know there was a barbecue truck. Yeah, there's some pretty good taco trucks that are around here too. Don't even get me started on taco trucks. Oh yeah, they're so good. I love. I love that's like oh, the only dude, thing I don't I don't tacos. eat out much like fast food or nothing like that. But taco trucks, man, like. tacos, pizza are my like top of the food pyramid. That's for me. yours, <laughs> yeah, dude. Barbecue, pizza. Growing. Every once in a while, pizza will get up there, but I go through like spurts with loving pizza. But One, oh, tacos, it's just oh tough to get barbecue better than you can make at home, though. Oh, I know, and and this, that's, even, that's yeah. no knock against any barbecue place in town. To be honest with you, like mostly because it's too expensive to to cook and sell too. Right. Like, this and right. this isn't just for Norfolk. I would rather cook a steak at my house. Oh, agreed. 100% of the time. Agreed. Oh, I do like, it all the time. I, the only time I'll ever order steak off the menu is stuff, I'm actually going to like a steakhouse, like a legit right. steakhouse. I still like don't even. you're still probably disappointed. Yeah, and I'm still like, oh, I could cook something better at my house. Yeah. It's like, and it costs less, you know. Right. I get seafood. We went to the National Western Stock Show at the beginning of January, our, our family did, and we went to Ocean Prime, which is a high-end steakhouse, seafood house. Every single person in there got seafood of some sort like right. just we'd but i mean granted we'd spent the entire week eating new york ship sandwiches in the yard yeah. so that me and my brother cooked for everybody so we yeah. were staked out but um Dude. i don't i don't ever go i've been to quite a few high-end steakhouses and i've never gotten a steak i give me uh give me whatever seafood you have i'm gonna pick yeah. something and i'm gonna go that way because i can make my own steak yeah. we raise our own prime beef i'm yeah. good with it you get prime beef. I'm about to talk to you. Get some prime. You guys like spicy foods? Yeah, I do a lot of like spicy ramen at my house. You have to try my gumbo. Oh, I have to. I can make a legit. Let's do it. Southern gumbo. I feel like we're gonna have some very uh, crazy cookout Dude. times. That's all I do during the summer. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. I'm excited. I've been doing. I'm you know so pizza like. You go to Pizza Hut or something. You order pizza like twenty five, thirty bucks. It's like holy. Crap. That's nuts. Yeah. I uh, I've been getting. I bought a. I'm all about like you know charcoal is my preferred. Like you can't be charcoal as far as I'm concerned. Right. Like you know I like the pellet grills and and the you know stuff like that. It's it's real convenient when it comes to smoking. But when it comes to like cooking a steak, I'll go to charcoal every every time. It's just the flavor. Um, I bought this this kettle. Well, I got the Weber grill. That was my one of my first charcoal grills. I still have it. I treat it like it's one of my kids or something. You know, it's like <laughs> polish it up. Like right. WD forty on the wheels. Like I'm keeping the same pristine condition. <laughs> I just love it. So it'll be with me forever. But I bought a, a, a pizza kettle, pizza attachment to it, and I cook. Uh, basically, I can, I can just go like buy like. $15 worth of ingredients, like flour, some sugar, some yeast, whatever. I make my own dough. Right. I make my own pizzas at my house. Yep. It's 400 times better than any pizza oh, yeah. that I'll buy around here, and it's like a fraction of the cost. It's yeah, like We do the same thing. Yeah, it's so good. I haven't bought it yet, but the, I bought a Camp Chef smoker, and it, they have an attachment for the pizza, too. And yeah, I just haven't bought it yet, but yeah. it's coming. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love I'm being. not a I, – I don't know if I – I like cooking, but the pizza probably. I'm not going to cook my own pizza. It's I just love, I love Jack's pizza so much that oh I just can't I can't get over it. <laughs> A little cardboard pizza, oh, 
<laughs> I'm the same way. I mean, after a few beers, that, maybe. J- Jack's like pizzas. Put one down, like oh, the whole thing. Just yeah. You wake up the next morning. Oh, Tabasco <laughs> or everything. Right. Those are absolutely my. That's my guilty pleasure is Jack's pizzas. Like, oh my god. <laughs> I like a tombstone too. They used to have those Big Mike pizzas in Walmart. Yeah, yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. They, there's there's some good ones out there. <laughs> Going back to politics. Last yeah. last <laughs> politics question. Do you feel that the the systems that are like the two party systems that are in place are still work in today's time? No, I mean I don't think there's there's any party anymore. I think it's all ran by the same people. Yeah, he says uniparty all the uniparty. time. Uh, you have this illusion of having a choice. You have this illusion of being a Democrat or a Republican, but at the end of the day, they're all the strings are all being pulled by the same people. No, they all live in the same city. They all kids go to the same place. Yeah, go to the same bars. Go to the they same all live in the church. same area. That's the saddest part about it is the kids, man. Like the educational program, I feel. I feel like kids these days are, they're, they're, I don't know, I shouldn't say all the kids, but like, these kids are in trouble. Yeah. Like, you know, these, this younger generation coming up, like. I'm really hoping a lot of parents, I know a lot of parents that I'm friends with are, they're putting the effort to rectify that situation. Parent, and that's I where mean, it has to happen. I mean, it should have always been that way, but I think in the last 30, 40 years, it kind of switched where parents started giving away that control yeah. and it got, it swung too far. Yeah. And they just, they assumed that the teachers had their best interests that they wanted as a family and they don't, they have the best interest that the teacher wants as a society to go forward Yeah, as opposed to what you think is right for your child. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I feel like kids are, you know they're they're stuck in their on their phones. They're stuck on their their digital devices, and they're they're being programmed to to think and to to believe certain things nowadays. When it comes to, I mean, this whole race thing, the whole sexual, the gen, gender, LG, whatever the hell it is. Like, come on, like it. it par- parents need to step up. Parents need to to get involved yeah. and and be more involved and and. Uh, I know everyone's working. They're trying to make a living, and both parents are working. And you know, kids go to school. Like, you know, you feel kind of helpless because you're really most people aren't in a situation where you can really interject. Yeah. To the point where you need to, but like, you got to keep your your kids on. I mean, I, I heard shit about like, and at uh, Norfolk High, I, I had a guy that's working for us that just came on. It was like uh, he was a teacher. And he quit because, like, the organization, the, the administration was, like, allowing kids to put litter boxes out in the hallways and shit. Like, is that even is that even true? Like, is that shit even happening? S- some of it was. I don't know if it was litter boxes, but I know there were. Um, and I know from a student that was there a couple of years ago, there were kids eating on the floor out of bowls. Like, if my kid wanted to I, pretend. I, they were trying to say it didn't happen, so I'm not trying to say it happened, but I'm telling I, I, you I, I had don't a know. source that told yeah. me it was happening. It's all hearsay so, to me, but if, it, yeah. if that shit's actually happening, if my, my, if my kid wanted to be a cat. <laughs> what are you going to do? Act all nimbly bimbly like? You drink your milk out of a saucer? <laughs> the cat, he would be a cat, or he or she would be a cat. Like, they <laughs> at would at be, all times. At right? all times. They would sleep outside probably too, and they would yeah. have a litter box, and they would eat cat food. Go catch like, some food. I, I'll see how long you want to be a cat. Yeah. They would be a cat very freaking long. Like, <laughs> right. You know, like it's uh-huh. just... I don't know. That that's my biggest concern is uh, the youth, man. Like the the more division we keep happening, the more like descriptions we have for certain things, the worse it's going to get, and the more yeah. division is going to happen. We keep we talk about that all the time on our other podcasts. Is just 
And that's this whole thing about race. Like, I, I don't care what race you are as long as you're a good fucking person. Yeah. Like, yeah, people. The 100%. sad thing is people can't have a conversation anymore. Right. People lead with their emotions and they're all one sided on whatever outlet that they're watching and getting their information from. And they're just like, boom, like they can't even compromise. They can't listen to each other. That's the reality of the situation. Right. That's 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 the problem. Like, so I, th- I think about it a lot in my in the last few years. I've always thought about it. And obviously with my, I, both of my grandpas have died. My grandfathers have died in the last five or six years. Um, but I feel like I was really blessed. And this is maybe where my privilege has been is I grew up every Sunday going to my grandma and grandpa's as a family. My whole family went, my my aunt and uncle, all three aunt and uncles and their, my cousins, we all, every Sunday, we would go have lunch at my grandma's, grandma and grandpa's, and then we'd play, the cousins would play football in the yard, do all this other stuff. We'd go to church first, then go to grandma and grandpa's every Sunday. And I feel super blessed because I don't think a lot of people were allowed that opportunity to hang out. You know, my cousins were my best friends when I was younger. Yeah. You know, that's kind of your family's always starts back in the day, at least in the farm world in the ag world. You know, your first best friends are always your family. Right. With your siblings and then your cousins and then you your school friends, basically, yeah. because you spend more time around your family. And I felt really blessed, and I think, I think that's a huge thing that's been missing in the last few generations. Um, it's hard to even get kids because like, you can't relate. But Christian's age, like it's hard to even get kids to be able to come over to the house. Yeah, it's I tough. can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's because they're they're so in, entrapped in their their online you know, world that they're in, and you know their followers and this and that, and you know this idea of like starting a YouTube channel and being able to make, get rich. Cause all the people they watch that they're following, yeah. it's just like this, this misconception of, of what reality is, you know, get back to the running around. Like when, when I was like, like you said, like when I was running around, like I was running around barefoot playing games. I didn't have, you know, I love, don't get me wrong. I love video games. I, you know, I always love video games growing yeah, up and stuff too. like that, but stuff like that. But it's like, my parents would be like, "Hey, you've had enough. Like, go outside. Get, get your ass outside. Yeah. You know, like, figure it out. Go to the go river. Touch grass, go, bitch. go, go explore and go get into trouble. Like, go get out of here. And if you you try to separate a kid from their iPhone or whatever the hell they're using nowadays, they'll have a conniption fit. And they'll have a meltdown. Like, oh, for sure. They don't even know how to they don't know how to live. We still to... deal with that, and we and we even monitor it. It's it's a problem. I don't even look at it like when I was talking about it on the Sunday thing. I it was awesome having the kids together. But I think it was more important that the adults were there. All the yeah. so the grandpa, yeah. grandma, grandpa were Why, there. Uh, yeah, the whole family tree. The yeah. great grandpa, yeah. grandma, or whatever, and then all the aunts and uncles. You're all there. Everybody's there, and you learn as a kid what it's like to be an adult. I always had a vision yeah, values of, and yeah, and it, yeah, and and the Sunday dinner. I mean, the kids had your own table. Yeah, you still you were in the prayer. Everybody, right? Everybody, shut up. Grandpa's doing the prayer. Yeah. And it's over, you know, and like, all right, let's You had respect. Yeah. He learned, that's he learned the, that's respect. the key word is respect. Yeah. And you all ate we, We've together. lost that nowadays. Yeah. And I, I do, I, I look back on those and I, it's fondly. Even some adults our age don't have fucking respect for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody. Dude. Yeah. More people need to practice the golden rule, you know. 
is do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. And that's it. And live by that. Be a good neighbor. Be a good person. Don't don't be negative. Like everyone deals with, everyone has their demons. Like, you know, everyone goes throughout their day and they have their problems, but try to, try to be positive. Try to live a positive life. Try to, you know, be a positive influence on your kids and the people that are around you. And what's, what's the benefit of being a negative, angry person all your life? It's just going to be a, a miserable life. Like why, why? No, I just don't understand it, man. Like, yeah. I think this is the second episode in a, row, in a row that our guest has said something that goes back to what a previous guest, uh, Doc, John Houseman, had said about. Yep. Uh, he lives his life as just to be nice to everybody. Yeah. Like that's the way he he uh, honors he his daughter. So yeah, his his daughter passed away very early in life, <clears throat> um, and his outlook on it was so crazy. Just that. They didn't take it in any kind of a grief way. I'm sure they, they did. They they <clears throat> bat, they fight their grief or battle their they grief. They fight the by. grief to live like she did. Yeah. And yeah. in, in a positive and, and treat everybody just well. treat everybody and nice. Yeah. It's just yeah. You know, you, you what's I mean, yeah, man, like what what's the alternative? Like you, you try to you try to like uh blame other people for what's happened to you in your life. So, so most I mean that's <laughs> Well, I'm not. I'm not going to get it on this podcast, but yeah, I mean, it it might feel good to to you know go that route, and it might make you f- get some sort of satisfaction for at the time seconds. for two seconds. But then you're going to go home, and you're going to be right back in your same situation. Like, yeah, man, just try to build off of the good, build off the bad, try to improve your situation. Yeah, you have you have a bad day, you know, go home that night and just say, wow. That was that was rough. Like, what can I do to, you know, one thing like with being a manager, like I went from like, you know, doing everything and being so incredibly focused on like, you know, that, that things are done the right way with every aspect of our business to, you know, hiring people. And one of the biggest obstacles to me was like allowing people to do the things that I was doing. To delegate. And trust oh, that's, and delegate. Hard. that's hard to do. And people would come because I start the day with goals. And I think it's good to like start a day with like a game plan and, and try to have some things you want to accomplish in your day. So like, you have this this idea of like what you want to do in a day. And what was the hardest thing for me was, uh, you know, just not being able to accomplish those things. When people would come up to me and, and say, hey, help me do this or, you know, ask me this question or like I'm, I'm in the middle of doing something and they're coming to me for help at first that was tough for me like it was a, a difficult thing for me to to deal with because I wanted to accomplish what I wanted to do I don't want to sp- spend my time you know necessarily helping other people but then it's like it just hit me like you know what if I spend more time you know, helping people do the things I want them to do they're not going to come back to me and ask me these same questions and and eventually they're going to get to the point where they're they're capable of just kind of doing learning things and learning on their own and, and and you know I don't have to like be in that position again like a lot if of I keep don't on realize that. if I keep if they come into my office or you know come up come to and, and I say I'm busy go whatever go away like they're going to come back and they're going to come back and, and I'm never going to make any progress so it's like take the time and that, that I think that kind of, kind of example can be use for everything like with your kids mm-hmm. with all these different things in life like if you just take the time 
to help your kids or, you know, help some stranger, your neighbor, whatever, like you're going to feel better about it. It's going to help you. It's going to put you in a better position in life. Even if it's five, 10, 20 times, that saves the hundred times they're going to keep coming back to you. Yeah. Right. So I'll be a good leader, like whether it's a business or just a friend or, you know, don't be so selfish. Don't be so focused on yourself and, you know, just know that the world's bigger than what you have going on yeah. in your personal life. And, you know, if, if someone like, like I said, we we're talking about earlier, if someone comes to you and you're at a restaurant and someone's just, you know, a waiter's just like really cold and whatever, don't take, don't take it personal. Like maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe something terrible happened to them and they just are on the edge and they don't right. want to deal with it. Like, don't, don't just assume like, oh, this guy's terrible or girl's right. terrible at what they're doing. Like, and I'm never coming back here. Like, that could be the case. It could not. Like, you come back there a second, third time, and they're the same way, then sure. Like, you can come to that right. realization. But it's right. like, give people the benefit of the doubt and try to understand, you know, be a little more reasonable with uh, an understanding with people. I, I agree. I completely agree. Yep. I like it. <clears throat> Going to like, and just like on your service side a lot, a lot of people don't realize... <clears throat> Or like to to helping other people. A lot of people don't realize that service is selfishly fulfilling. Like if you give service to somebody with nothing in return, I mean it. You may not like it to begin with, and I I bitch about it all the time being voluntold. You know I talk about it, but when it's done, I mean it is it's euphoric. It is a good yeah. feeling. Like it it. A lot of people have never felt that feeling. They've never done it. Um, it is a really good thing to actually do. That is why I like the business that I'm in. I get, I get that I'm being paid to be here. I get that. But it's all the all the little things that we do for service-wise. Yeah. Making sure that people are covered correctly or whatever it is. It makes you feel good at the end Huge of the day. Huge impact on their lives. Yeah. It, you know, I'm honest. I think that's why I like cooking and, uh, you know, just like one, one on holidays or Christmas, something you're giving presents. Like I've, I've always been more satisfied and feel more, you know, I, I, I get more satisfaction when I'm giving someone a present than when I, when I get a present, oh, for like sure. when I'm seeing their expression or when I'm cooking something and they eat it and they're like, wow, this is really good. I'm like, yeah. Isn't that like, the best feeling Like I just, I feel better when I'm. I think dinner, dinner parties are my favorite thing in the yeah. world. Oh. And I don't, I don't eat until everybody else yeah, eats. Yeah, exactly. Man, you know, why don't you eat? Why don't you It's like, well, That's, first off, I've been tasting yeah. this as the whole time. But aside yeah. from that, I mean. <laughs> my brother <laughs> my brother and I, like it causes, it causes arguments with, well, I know, with my the grandma, family. My grandma. Like, no, you're going to eat? You're going to eat? No, grandma. Through. Take the plate. Get through. Mm-hmm. It's like, come on. I'm everybody first. We are the last two through the line. Like I'll make people's plates. I'm like, let me make your plate for you. Like I want you to eat this. I want to see if you like it. Crazy! I love that. It's good. It, uh, it's good to see people that are like that too. I you you don't run into that too often. I hate receiving gifts. I don't. Like I it. don't like it whatsoever. Um, but you know, you have to take them every now and then. Yeah. yeah it's it's it becomes a like a technical. It's just like you know the whole gift giving thing. At a certain point, it's like you you have to get a little creative. You know, like. Create something from the heart. Like, don't just go right. buy. Like, don't go buy stuff. Yeah. Try to do something and make it more memorable. And because if you're a gift giving person, you want to do it a lot, and then it gets kind of expensive. Yeah, that <laughs> so too. You, you got to get creative with the, with the with the care of it and and the expense of it. But yeah. Yeah. Hmm. 
All right, I think we're going to wrap up here real shortly. Where do you see yourself going in the future? Are you enjoying where you are? Do you see yourself staying in Northeast Nebraska? I've been a lot of places uh, with the business uh, all over the country. It's funny because there's times <laughs> I'll, I'll walk outside in Nebraska and I'll, I'll ask myself, like, why, why do I live somewhere where, where the air hurts my face? <laughs> um, is this really where I want to be? Or are there better places to live? You know, I'll go to Georgia. Like, for example, when I'm out in the fields here in Nebraska, running through a cornfield, um, not worrying about much, you know, just getting through it, getting to the, the system where I need to go. I was down in Georgia. Um, first pivot I, I got on was a uh, ton of black widow spiders on the, the, the wheels and all throughout the, the, the tower. Um, got to the pivot point. There was a giant hornet's nest with like hornets with the, like purple asses the size of your thumb, <laughs> like uh, gators, there's snakes, there's everything you can imagine. And then I, I thought that was like the worst of it. And the, the guy came up to me, he's like, mm, you got to watch out for sinkholes. I'm like, sinkholes? And he's like, yeah, well, things like swallow like entire spans. I'm like, what? And I get up to like Wisconsin and, you know, which is beautiful. Actually, Wisconsin is really beautiful. You get up there. But, um, you know, there's bears, different things you have to watch out for. Not so much like they have the reset button up there with the, the climate and stuff like we have here. But Phoenix and Arizona, you know, there's just... It's real super hot. Texas is incredibly hot, you know, and it gets hot here too. But like, I always, always end up coming down to the same uh, realization, which is, no, Nebraska is not so bad. And I think every every place that you, wherever you're at, it's a, it's you gotta you gotta make the most of it. You gotta right. like. I like seeing the seasons. I like I, I I think if I would move from here, like I would I would miss it. I would miss the seasons and, and being able to see what nature has to offer and, you know, being a, being a part of that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't foresee myself really moving too far away from this area. I like Norfolk. You know, I'm not a big popular, you know, my sister was in Houston. My sister was in Denver. Um, I go visit them and, uh, like if I'm at a stop sign here or a stoplight for more than like, no, I shouldn't say stoplight, but if I'm at a stop sign for like more than 30 seconds and I see like three cars in a row, I'm like, is there an emergency? <laughs> like, why, why am I, what, what's going on? Like, is something happening around here? So like, I, 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 I'm, I'm all for like visiting area, you know, highly populated areas and experiencing what they have to offer, but I couldn't live there. I can't, I can't manage my day. I can't plan my day around traffic. It's just not. Just not me. I couldn't do it. You must yeah. not drive at school time around the oh, school. It gets areas. bad. Roundabouts. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. <laughs> oh my god, guys! If you're listening, roundabout. Let me just say something because I think about this every day. You do it. Do it every single day. So roundabouts. Let's just talk about this. Think about it like this: if you're if you're in a roundabout, it's similar to if you're on an interstate. The people that are merging onto the interstate have to yield to you. Yeah. If if I'm in a roundabout, I don't yield to the people that are coming getting on. into the roundabout. Right. If I see someone using their blinker coming into a roundabout, I know I need to stay away. <laughs> I'm sorry because I don't care. Like you say, oh, I'm telling you where I'm turning. No one knows where you're turning. They're gonna <laughs> sit there and watch you anyway because they have no fucking idea what you're, you're going to do. Defensive driving, yeah. So don't use your blinker in a roundabout. It's a waste of time. 
The police don't even use it. It's not a law. They're not going to pull you over for it for a reason because it's not a law because it makes no sense. Like, it's too quick. <laughs> Things are happening too quick. You're not... The blinker does nothing for get you. In and you know what's out. so funny? I just I just saw a post on the Madison County bitching page about blinkers in the roundabout that has <laughs> sixty five comments on it. I saw it. Yes. Mm. So, but I yeah, agree with you. Please just just don't go into the roundabout and don't you yield yield when you go into the roundabout. That's all you have to. That's, that's all it. you have to understand. Just that's yield. It. That's all you have to do. Let that's the people the in the only roundabout. time you yield. That's Once it. you're in. Do not go. Yield. Once you're yeah. in, go. I know you're. I know you're going. Don't use your blinker. Do you have one way you're going? You have no other option. You're going into the roundabout. <laughs> Don't fuck around with me. Anyway, so what? What was the other question? <laughs> as it, oh yeah, as so it. no, so Nebraska. But yeah, like in the future, um, yeah, field wise is is the long term. Um, continue building that. And obviously, you guys are doing well. So yeah, man, you guys need to stop by, swing out, we do will. a little tour, show you what's going on. Let's do it. Let's schedule that out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're neighbors, so we can figure that out. We just found that out. Yeah, Yeah. we Um, can do that. Other than that, yeah, uh, I like Norfolk. It's uh, it's about the right size. I think uh, just there's enough stuff to do, enough amenities, different things from a business standpoint, from just, you know, social life. I think there's enough people here to, you know, it's a good community. It's good for your kids, good school. It's a safe environment. Um, You know, I think that, you know, we can sit here and talk about all the, the things that could be improved, but I think at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of good people out there making good decisions and they have the best interest of, of the community as a whole. And, um, you know, as long as we, we, as the, the people, you know, are continuing to hold people to a standard and, and make sure that, you know, things are moving in the right direction. I, I think that, uh, North Fork will be a good place to live in the future. I agree with you. I always hear you know you shouldn't stay in your hometown, but I'm I'm happy where I'm at. So I, I think we're moving in the right direction, and we're getting you know we're touching base with other people yep. with this podcast, and it's been kind of a cool thing. Did you enjoy your time? Absolutely, good. Absolutely. You gonna come back on anytime you want? We got another podcast. You might you might enjoy that one. Come and come and hang out on the useless assumptions. We can talk a little more, uh, get a little more in depth on your on your views. Absolutely, anytime. <laughs> you know where to find me. I, I do now. I do. <laughs> All right. Well, Jared, we appreciate you coming on. Yep. We'll get you on again. And uh, anything else you want to say to listeners? No. Go. Go Huskers. <laughs> go Skurs. Yeah.